I hate Jim Harbaugh. I hate the harbor because it sounds like Harbaugh. I hate crabs, the sex ones, and the ocean ones. Both are rampant in Baltimore. I hate the wire. I hate the nickname Charm City. I hate the Orioles, except for Cal Ripken. I hate Camden Yards, except for the night in 95 when Cal Ripken broke Lou Gehrig's streak. Sure, well, that was a good one. I hate the Chesapeake Bay. Oh, what's that across the water? It's Delaware. That bay sucks. <laughs> I hate the Ravens. It's a dumb bird. It's basically a crow that somebody wrote a poem about. <laughs> They should be named the Baltimore Crows, actually, because a group is called a murder of crows, and that's way more fitting for that team. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's two minutes after six at DVE. Here's Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Eleven. It's 58 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Xfinity from Comcast. I'm Val Porter. It's Pittsburgh Parking Authority closing the Mon Wharf parking area today to clean up after weekend flooding. Crews will be removing debris and mud left behind after the river crested at just over 19 and a half feet over the weekend. Parking officials say additional parking is available at the First Avenue garage and the Second Avenue Plaza. A Facebook security breach is being investigated. The company said Friday nearly 50 million Facebook users are vulnerable after hackers got into their system to access login information and control the accounts, specifically digital keys that are used to stay logged in on devices. Their devices were targeted. Facebook has reset logins for 90 million accounts as an extra precaution. Well, Randy said I couldn't talk about Halloween candy till October, and today is October 1st, but they're not here yet. So uh, CandyStore.com put out a list of the three most popular Halloween candies in uh, all 50 states. Not necessarily ones we love the most, but ones we hand out the most. This year they posted a list of the top 10 overall by looking at how many pounds of each candy Americans have ordered since 2007 as a country we've purchased more Skittles than any other type of candy. M&M's are second, followed by Snickers, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Starburst, Candy Corn, Hot Tamales, Hershey's Minis, Tootsie Pops, and Jolly Ranchers. Skittles, by the way, the number one candy in Pennsylvania. Yeah, Skittles are amazing, still. Like, my kids will get Skittles when we go to the movies, and I definitely get, like, one or two handfuls and they are awesome. I don't know how candy corn still makes it onto that list. I don't know anybody that eats candy corn. And enjoys it. Either. Everyone eats it by accident <laughs> or out of necessity. Like, all right, this is the only thing in the dish. Might as well take a handful. Oh, God, these are horrible. Every 10 <laughs> years or so, I forget what it tastes like, and I have a piece, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a candle. <laughs> right. Oh, these are wax bits. Yeah. Oh, mm, these are gross. Yummy. Scammers running fake social media accounts claiming to be celebrities have been costing people millions of dollars. The Federal Trade Commission says imposter scams topped the list of fraud in 2017, costing consumers over $328 million. Celebrities have begun warning fans to beware of these scams. A group of country music stars have even uh, come together to issue a public service announcement urging people not to engage with these people or send them money. The new comedy Night School, the number one movie at the box office. The Kevin Hart film earned $28 million in its first week in theaters in the U.S. and Canada and held off Smallfoot. Uh, it debuted in second place. House with a clock in its walls fell from first to third, followed by A Simple Favor and The Nun. And Crazy Rich Asians hanging in there, still in seventh place. 
Man, that movie's made a ton of money. That's crazy. Yeah, Good been, for them. It's been tops for a and long time. By them, time. I mean all Asians. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac is set to celebrate their 50th anniversary with a release of three CD and five LP box sets titled 50 Years Don't Stop. Both the disc and vinyl versions will include 50 songs spanning the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame band's career. Both versions will be available on digital download and streaming services as well. The 50 Years Don't Stop collections will be released on November 16th. And Marty Ballon, a a founding member of Jefferson Airplane, has died. Rolling Stone reporting he passed away last Thursday at the age of 76, but a cause of death wasn't announced. On his website, uh, Jefferson Airplane guitarist Yorma Kalkinen wrote, We were young together. I'd like to think we made a difference. As for Grace Slick, Jack Cassidy, and myself, now we are three. Forecast today, uh, not too bad. Temperatures in the 70s, some sunshine. It is 58 at DVE. I'm not sure exactly what happened to the Steelers' offense in the second half yesterday, but it didn't come back out onto the field. (laughs) Who were those guys? They absolutely disappeared, and the Steelers, stop me if you heard this one before, go down big early, come back to tie it before the end of the half. So it looks like the similar tropes playing out for them. And uh, it does not pan out in the Steelers' favor as they lose at home last night, 26-14. They're tied at the bottom of the barrel in the AFC North with the Browns right now at 1-2-1. and I don't think the game was that close. <laughs> like <laughs> Four field goals, three that easily could have been touchdowns. They and uh, pe- people who have the over You pooped yourself. You. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. And they made a stay up late to do it. One Which thing- is just a nice little... We'll dig. Yeah. We'll dig for you. Oh, did you have trouble recovering from Monday night? Well, here's a Sunday night to start your week. And when it when they lose like when they win, I can roll over and go to bed. Me too. When they lose, I'm furious for an hour Stewing. and a half. Stewing. <laughs> After the game, I'm just like, you son of a I talked to our old friend Alan Fanica last night. He was honored at halftime last night, uh, part of the... Uh, the Hall of Honors. Hall of Honors. Uh, he's going to give us a shout at 9.15 today, so we'll talk with Alan a little bit. The Hall bit. of Honor, excuse me. Yeah. I mean, there's probably more than one honor in there, so I mean, you know, could be honors. Yeah, multiples. Your Honor, Your Honor. San honor. Saverin, the Honorable. Offer. Stan Offer. Saverin. Honor. Um... He'll be on at 9 o'clock. Jerry Dulac, Tim Benz will also be giving us a shout as we uh, recoup from last night's loss. And what does this mean for the Steelers? Probably that we'll pay a lot more attention to the Penguins. Mike has sports coming up <laughs> at the bottom of the hours. Tom Petty gets us going. Craig Shoemaker can do so many different voices. And I, I saw something in the news the other day that just made me laugh because I thought about you. I don't know why this made news, but Patrick Stewart... <laughs> Had his first pizza pizza, and they put it <laughs> what? like that. That was the news How item. Was that a you news know the guy item? from Star Captain Picard. Item. He had his first piece of pizza, and they did he, there was did a he die. No, I, no, there was a picture of him eating pizza. Must have been at like Joe's on Bleecker or wow. something. And and it desperate was, for news that day. I couldn't believe it was news. Apparently, but, Kim Kardashian didn't have a sex video that day <laughs> or something. I started howling just thinking of you, and I knew wow. you were coming in. Oh yeah, Patrick. Uh, we and I go way back. Yeah. Well, we, I don't know if you guys know the story but we did a movie together you know he's the guy from you know who he is right yeah star trek captain yeah. picard not only right? that he was the x-men he was 
Max the guy in the wheelchair. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a pretty big guy, and he's a regal yeah. Shakespearean actor. Right. And they put us as best friends in a movie, <laughs> and I am playing the chuckle hut, you know, <laughs> with the Shakespearean yeah. guy, yeah, and right. I'm playing literally. I'm playing uh, a shopping center in Homestead this weekend. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, the you know the Patrick Stewart doesn't have that on his resume. I played a shopping center. <laughs> Across from rock bottom. <laughs> you know, I was doing King Lear. <laughs> next, to a, next to an old smokestack. <laughs> Engage! No, he's not doing that. He's not doing that, right? So they put us with each other. I don't know where they came up with this mix, but they said, you're going to be his best friend in this movie. I said, okay, it's great. And at first day on the set, they go, do an impression of him. He'll love it. So I said, okay, it'll be an icebreaker. I go, make it sound number one. He looks at me. And he literally said to me, go do your little comedy skit elsewhere. He called it a, a little a comedy little, tiny. This is a little thing. Go do, do your little comedy skit in a shopping center wherever you go. If you watch, if you watch the movie, though, you will see his thoughts on me, okay, that he got back at mm -hmm. me. He was training during the movie, kept lifting weights between scenes. So this guy's really buffing up. I wonder why. You know why? So he could beat me up. <laughs> they brought. They go. They go. They, we had a fight scene, and they go. Oh, here's your stuntman. And he goes. I don't need a stuntman. Do you, Craig? <laughs> he like humiliated me, and he went Philly on me. He goes. I don't need one. I think we can handle our own. Craig, can you? I'm, I'm standing there with the stuntman next to me. I go. Yeah, you can take a day off. Me and Patrick gonna uh, duke it out. So in the movie. He takes the opportunity, where boom, boom, boom. He kicks me. He kicks me in the head into a fern. <laughs> Watch the movie. I tumble into a fern. That ain't that ain't a stunt, man. And that ain't and it's real. He goes, and then he goes. I think we need a take two. <laughs> he just wanted to kick your ass. He wanted to kick my ass again. Yeah. And he kicks my ass again. You can watch the movie. It's called Safe House. Not the new Safe House. It's an old Safe House from 98. Oh, man. So anyway. The uh, new Safe House. But, but yeah, it's not the new one. This one's better. <laughs> he plays He plays a guy with Alzheimer's. That's always a scream. <laughs> That's always going to put a comedian with a guy with Alzheimer's. Brilliant you casting. something? Yes, I did, Craig. It's a part of the script. <laughs> so anyway, I, uh, so I, so I loosened him up one time. I went Phil on him because I, I, I thought to myself come on he can't really be this regal uh -huh. you know what I mean he's got to be like a, a real guy like all of us like the Yenzes and the Phillies the Yizzes we're Yizzes Yizzes and Yenz <laughs> so I said hey Patrick we're taking a break we're working together like a month now at this point I go hey Patrick did you ever do what you used to do when we were kids in Philadelphia you ever like you know you're checking out your package <laughs> you know it's brand new it's getting all sorts of things down there and you, then you're in front of a full length mirror you're naked you don't know what to do so you tuck it back by your rear end you do a little <laughs> silence of the lambs you see what you look like as a woman did you ever do that back in England when you were growing up there did you ever give yourself a mangina <laughs> I swear to God he goes yes Craig I've done a mangina everybody has you're naked in bed one leg goes over it disappears you have a mangina. <laughs> I go, that's great. That's fantastic. So now we're one of the same. All right. So I go, did you ever do Rocket Man? Goes, What's Rocket Man, Craig? I'm intrigued. <laughs> I go, well, when you, if you're circumcised, you tuck it back into the launch pad, you, it disappears, it's gone. You go, five, four, three, two. <laughs> And it's back, and you have a rocket. Then you, he goes, he goes. That's fabulous. Let's go home and do Rocket Man. Engage. <laughs> Make it so. So he finally did loosen up. Now I told you that story, right? And I told this story in Detroit. He now does. You know, they do those call-ins. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. what the celebrities do. They they sit in their hotel room and they bang out phone calls right. all over the country, mm -hmm. one after another after another. He calls. He's promoting King Lear, of course, Shakespeare on TBS. 
And they go, and he's he wants he's got his little pitch down. You know, he wants to talk about King Lear. And they're going, you ever, do you remember working with Craig Shoemaker? <laughs> you hear this pause. He goes, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, Craig. He's quite a kidder. And I and they go, did you ever have a story? And they played it for him. And he's and he kept trying to come back. And he go, do you ever do a man giant? He goes, so playing King Lear was a lifelong dream. <laughs> I, was, I couldn't wait to play King Lear. And it's on TBS this weekend. How about the Rocket Man? And they played it back for me, listening to him, listening oh. to this. It was a nightmare. Oh, it's funny when you're in the moment, we're telling <laughs> right. jokes and stuff, but not with more Mr. Nice Guy indeed. Alice Cooper, he's going to be here in about three weeks to the 26th to uh, headline our Halloween party, the DVE Halloween party this year. Alice Cooper live at Stage AE. Can't wait. Get your tickets to Ticketmaster for that. Do not miss out on an opportunity to uh, attend the coolest Halloween party of the year at Stage AE. WDVE presents Alice Cooper. All right, you think that's scary? Watch the game again <laughs> from last night. The what Steel- a fright! Steelers defense. Look, they they did bend, but no, don't break. Twenty six points for this defense against an offense that had been lighting it up is right. pretty good. We should have been able to win. For sure, it actually wasn't the defense's fault. The offense stunk out loud. Second half, the uh, the offense could not get it going. Mike Outside Pers- of the second quarter. The offense stunk. And Big Ben had a uh, not nightmarish uh, second half. It wasn't like he was turning the ball over. Just ineffective. Could not get it done. Mike has more from the locker room post game from the Steelers' loss to the Ravens last night on Sunday Night Football when we come back here on DVE DVE Sports. Okay, Mike Pursuta is here. And Mike, last night the Steelers, things started out exactly like we've seen. The stop me if you've seen this before type thing. Go down early, big time. Rally back before the end of half to tie it. But the second half didn't exactly go the Steelers' way. No, it did not. Uh, pretty obvious what went wrong last night. Sports this hour brought to you by CBS Television. The Steelers got handled by the Baltimore Ravens 26-14. to Handled in pretty much every sense of the word other than the second quarter when they scored 14 points. The Steelers did nothing. Here's Mike Tomlin. Not enough playmaking in the second half of the football game for us to secure victory and really is as simple as that. You know, um, they made the plays when they had the ball to maintain possession of it and move. Um, we didn't make enough plays quickly enough to get off the field. And, and on offense, we didn't make enough plays to possess the ball. And so they dominated the time of possession and, and, and were able to control the game in the second half. Uh, we got to own that. We don't like where we are, um, but, but we accept it. We understand that it's our doing. Um, we just got to keep working. Uh, we will do that. Um, we won't make excuses. Um, disappointing tonight, um, but the sun will come up tomorrow. We'll we'll look at it, assess it, um, make necessary adjustments and things relative to our performance and who's available to us, and get ready to roll again. That's our story. And the story last night: uh, two for twelve on third down, including zero for six in the second half. Abysmal. And uh, eleven yards rushing. Abysmal. Abysmal. Had the ball for 8 minutes and 29 seconds in the second half. Abysmal. There you go. Uh, Steelers fell behind 14-0 and uh, rallied to tie it, much as they had done against Kansas City. But uh, the second half, a complete no-show. 
really on both sides of the ball. The defense didn't give up any touchdowns, but as you heard Mike right. Tomlin say, couldn't get off the field either. Uh, right. If you let them move the ball between the 20s all night, then what have you really accomplished? Uh, the good news for the Steelers, if there is any, they're only four games in. It's only a quarter way through the season, so a long way to go. Yeah, Joe Hayden uh, agreeing with Ben Roethlisberger in that uh, there's a lot of golf left. Uh, we still got a whole long way to go. We got a whole lot of improving to do, uh, myself included. Um, secondary, uh, missing tackles. Um, like we said, communication, trying to get in and out. Um, and then just overall play. We got to be. We got to make more plays. Um, they made more plays than we did on us, and uh, we got to try to get the ball out, force more turnovers. So, um, yeah, we just we just got to get better. Yeah, if you're looking at the defense and saying, ah, hey, you know, for this defense, 26 points, that's pretty, you know, that's acceptable. Joe Flacco somehow missed a wide-open Michael Crabtree who had double-moved Hayden, oh. and it was an easy touchdown that Flacco just overthrew, and Baltimore also fumbled the ball at the one-yard line. Yes. Now, those, yeah. you know, what happened happened, but it easily could have been a whole lot worse. Yes. That's kind of what I was saying. It felt like it, it wasn't anywhere near as close as 26-14. Yeah. If you're looking at defense saying, oh, well, they can keep it respectable, that, that stuff's not necessarily transferable. The other guy's fumbling at the one-yard line right. and missing wide-open touchdowns. If you're counting on that every week, you're probably going to be disappointed. Right. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger said he had a bad night at the office, and uh, I'm inclined to agree with him, 27 of 47 274 yards, but uh, a lot of missed throws, a lot of plays not made on third down. Here's the really alarming stuff for the offense. Antonio Brown had five receptions, but they had to throw it to him 11 times. Uh, He just flat out missed him on a few. Juju Smith-Schuster was targeted 11 times, four catches. James Conner was targeted seven times, three catches. Ben had a a bad second half, man. Yeah, he did, and uh, they're not going to that's a deal breaker. He can't be bad. He cannot be bad. He's got to be great. And if he's not, they got a problem. Uh, Cam Hayward uh, talked about uh, realistically assessing what's been going wrong uh, before any fixes can be made. We got to be honest about what we're doing um, and see where we're falling short because that's the only way this, this ship's going to ride itself is if we you know, buckle down and correct our mistakes. And Ramon Foster said what's uh, wrong with the offense can be fixed and it won't take a major overhaul. We got to correct ourselves more than anything. It's it's not a sense of, uh, you know, just just getting beat. You know, we're doing some stuff to beat ourselves, some stuff that's correctable, some things that we just got to check ourselves on more than anything, and we'll be fine. You know, they came in and they just executed more than we did. Uh, We did exactly what we were supposed to early on. We just didn't do enough to finish it out. Atlanta's coming to town Sunday. Atlanta's thrown for about three and a half miles the last two weeks and hasn't won. How crazy is that? What are they, 0-4 now? I'm not sure what they are. I know they didn't beat the Bengals yesterday. And they didn't beat the Saints the week before. But it has. it's not because of Matty Ice. He's, he's lighting it up. So the Steelers are in a really bad situation here because the schedule is relentless. It's the Falcons and then the Bengals. And then the bye and then the Browns and the Ravens. The Steelers are the team that other teams are looking at, and they're glad they have them on their schedule coming up right now. Ah, well, all right, then we have the Steelers, so that's good. They can't stop anybody. And if you scuffle against uh, Kansas City, it's easier to say, well, they still got the division. 
but oh one and one in the division. No, yeah, no division along the way to uh, one two and one overall. This could be a disaster year. The Le'Veon Bell situation, the drama catching up with this team after a year of it last year. Whether that plays a significant role in what's going on or not, I don't know. I think the personnel are just not there. Yeah, I think defensively they're not very good. I think uh, Connor is more than adequate replacing Bell. He's not Bell, but that shouldn't grind the offense to a halt. Um, where were the tight ends in the second half? Where was anything? And and these third downs they weren't converting. Were not oh for six third and a mile. Uh, Third and three, third and five. The one to A.B. was like just a run-of-the-mill out route that he missed by a mile. Yeah, there was there was another one when it was still a game, and uh, it was it was along the near sideline, and Brown was cutting to the middle, and the ball was behind him. And I don't know if Brown was supposed to stop there, and that was a spot, or if he was supposed to keep running, and Roethlisberger just threw it badly behind him. It looked like if he hits him, where he can keep running, he might still be running. And that was a third and 12. That was yep. one of the longer ones. But right out of the shoot, uh, getting the opening kickoff of the second half, they had a third and three at their 41. Roethlisberger to Switzer, complete for minus five. And so it went in the second half. Boy, the defense really, uh, uh, that was a Switzer-heavy, a Switzer, Switzer-centric offense there for a little bit. There was a couple drives where they were just going through Ryan Switzer. Yeah, they probably want to rethink that. <laughs> I mean, Mike, how could you say that Le'Veon Bell's impact is not huge on this team right now? Because Connor's an adequate replacement. That, I mean, they couldn't run the ball the at all. The problem is night. they can't get it to Antonio Brown right now. That's problem number one. But doesn't okay. Le'Veon Bell have an effect on that? Because the. They're not sure he does, but your two best receivers, I just gave you the numbers. They got to throw it more than twice as many times as they're catching it. You don't, you don't have to get mad at him. If that, no, I'm just disagreeing with him. I, I, I would obviously rather they have Le'Veon Bell. He's an all pro and he gives you a lot of options, but they still have other talented players on this team. If this thing was set up so that one guy is the Jenga piece and it all falls apart without him, then it's not properly set up. And, Roth, and Ben Roethlisberger's not as good as I think he well, is. Well, Ben's got to be great. Antonio Brown's not as good as I think he is. And Juju Smith-Schuster's not as good as I think he is. And that offensive line's not as good as I think it is. Ben has been great at times this year. And he's been twice in four games now. He said, my bad. Well, that, last... that, That's an unacceptable yeah, percentage. Yeah, not a good ratio. Yeah. I just, I just think... I'll, again, Bell's an all-pro. I think it's too easy to say, well, if he was here, everything would be fine. It no, would, I don't think it, it would be fine. It would not be based on the way these guys are playing. But no defense is scheming towards Connor. I mean, no. the, the offense ran through Bell, and oh, you they, have to... They wanted Connor to get the ball last night. They had uh, they played uh, deep cover, too, and the linebackers right. dropped, and they, they took away everything that wasn't a dump down and said, go ahead, do that all night. We, and, got, we got the rest of it. And the Ravens talked openly afterward about believing that they were a step ahead schematically when they were on defense and the Steelers were on offense. Showed in the second half. And that may be to your point, Bill, the matchup issues that Bell creates are not there. Right. But they still got to do better than uh, what they did. They got one touchdown. Yuck. One. 
I know they're not trying to paint with a broad brush, Mike, but they're going to have to start answering for this at some point. This slow start, you know, you, you don't get going until you fall behind by a couple of touchdowns. That can't continue. Atlanta's coming to town. Boz is back. Yeah, hey. seem- seemingly. Hey, Boz is back. Kick some Silver lining. Rolls. Pirates beat the Reds 6-5 to five and 10 to close out the season at 82-79. and A couple of game 163s today. They got to play an extra game in the NL East, the Brewers at the Cubs, and in the NL West, the Rockies at the Dodgers. Uh, West Virginia's up to number nine in the latest AP Top 25 after beating Texas Tech on the road. Penn State falls to number 11 after losing to Ohio State 27-26 to at home Saturday night. I was up there for that record crowd at Beaver Stadium of 110,889. That was as loud as I've ever heard an outdoor wow. stadium. Yeah, I mean, James Franklin would have had to fight a lot of people to get out of that place. He had his druthers. <laughs> Pitt got crushed by Central Florida 45-14. Penn State was up 12 with eight minutes left and couldn't did finish. You, did you see the video of this fan you know, saying, I love you, coach, but that was a horrible call, and then Franklin has to be restrained from uh, screaming. I didn't it. hear what was said. I just saw the video. The guy said, like, that's a terrible call, coach. You got to pass I, it I there. I love you, but something. you got to pass it there. And then Franklin starts jawing at the guy, and then an assistant coach has to hold him back from going at him further. And then, and then the fan who had just jotted his coach and got him angry, the fan, he felt bad. You know, I mean, look, I understand. I mean, he's emotional. That's all. Like, all of the guys around him, it's fine. Coach is emotional. It's fine. It's fine. There's no controversy here. It's fine. It's like he was going to come up and beat your ass. Well, if, if you're a fan, I get you're frustrated. What do you think he's going to say? You know, you're right. Would you like to be my offensive coordinator next week? I mean, he could say but nothing. Nothing and walk into the tunnel That's like what... every other coach every Saturday uh, in college football. I wouldn't say every other one every Saturday. It happens. You don't think coaches hear stuff from the fans on their way into the you tunnel don't think after they a yell loss? Back sometimes? Not you think like that's that. That's the first time that's happened ever. No, but you don't not think like that'll that. happen again next week somewhere. You don't have to get mad at him, Mike. Get an assistant coach to hold him back. It's fine. Mike's a little <laughs> emotional. It's fine. <laughs> A little sleep deprived. Yeah, I'd say you probably are. No, see, this is what happens when the Steelers Steelers lose. Everybody's mean to each other. And if Gene Steratore's right, nobody's going to buy any toilet paper today. That's how that works. Tim Benz, uh, hopefully he's stocked up on it. Uh, He'll join us at 815. uh, Or sitting on top of it. Jerry Dulac (laughs) will uh, join us at 845. Hey, we got Alan Fanick on the show today. Always love talking with Alan. He was honored last night as a um, newly enshrined member in the Steelers Hall of Honor. Is it? That's that's it. That's the call. That no, is okay. correct. The Hall of Honor. Lady uh, Bell's probably not going to end up there. No, he's in the Legion of Doom. It's Randy Bauman in the DVE Morning Show, and uh, you know Friday night we did another ramble uh, at the Rex Theater, and it was a packed house, an awesome crowd. Dude, and congrats! Thanks. That that was awesome. Yeah, man. no, thanks for being there. It was uh, it was a really hot crowd, and there were so many great performances. I mean, Clinton Clegg did uh, Bring It On Home, and. Uh, um, the Sam Cook tune, and he did a Little Feet tune, and he kind of set the stage after uh, a myriad of performers just kicked ass. The crowd was seriously, it was so hot. Uh, but we did this uh, Aretha section. We did all like uh, at the end of it where we did some Aretha songs. Tribute. Played, paid tribute. Girl named Sierra Sellers. First time I'd met her, and uh, was the rehearsal the night before. This was from that performance. This is her doing Rock Steady. Um, Rock Steady. 
sounds like Beyonce, and she looks like Beyonce. <laughs> she she's she's stunningly beautiful and can just sing the lights out. You got the pipes to match. It's crazy. Yeah, she totally kicked butt. And uh, Addie Twig and uh, and uh, Kiki Brown. They also oh did a great God, job. They I mean, were good. This is Kiki doing "Never Loved a Man." Kiki is just amazing. Uh, she is the the leader of the band, the Buckle Downs. You see them locally. Awesome. I mean, yeah, it was she, Goosebump yeah, City. She was uh, outstanding. And Addie Twig, did you make me feel like a natural woman? Wow, yeah, Addie's got a huge voice. Uh, Addie, of course, from the telephone line and the band Cisco Kid. So good. I think we had about 30 people on stage throughout the course of the night. Jim Donovan handling the drums for most of the night on this one. It was a great time, and uh, thanks to everyone at the Rex Theater. Thanks to everyone who came out for it. It was a really cool celebration of what's going on in the Pittsburgh music scene right now. I enjoyed sitting on the side of the stage and watching the other performers watch whoever was on stage. Yeah. Like, I was getting a big kick out of that, like watching Bill Deasy cheer on Clinton Clay. Yeah. It was just, it was fantastic. Yeah, this was Max Somerville doing a little Elton John, uh, Ballad of Oil, No Gun. Um, Bill Deasy was great. He did a replacement song, Can't Hardly Wait. Jen Wirtz. Uh, from Russell Root, she was awesome. There was there was some of the the old guard in the uh, Pittsburgh rock scene, and a lot of the new uh, the new folk up the there as guns. well. So Chet uh, was great. Yeah, uh, Chet, Molly was great. Molly sang forever. Molly Alphabet sang forever young to her soon to be born baby. Went up there with her her baby bump and sang <laughs> forever young to uh, the future little Vincent. Chet did uh, George Harrison let it down. We had a great time. Andre Costello did don't. Let it bring you down yeah, from uh, Neil Young. It was just a special night. Thanks to everyone who made it there. Hey, your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. Now, look, it's not like the Steelers are off to a slow start, okay? We're not bailing on them. And you're going to need uh, food and beer for Steelers games. Well, mainly beer. Mainly beer. So, your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, Minio's Pizza House in Squirrel Hill. $3 Bud Light bottles every Steeler game. That's Minio's in Squirrel Hill. Nice. $3 Bud Light bottles. It's uh, your Bud Light. Game day bar I had of the week. last night. You did. Oh yeah. Well, you can get it for three bucks there now. All right, Steelers have the Falcons next week. It doesn't get any easier, man. They got to pull it together. This defense is an absolute mess. And the offense, they hardly held on to the ball. One first down in the second half. Not good enough. Hendricks. Erg. And you know, running two defenses in one defense. As has been talked about, yeah. too, 
neither defense is any good. Now you're going to run two bad defenses at the same time. Reversible jackets never work. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What's Tampa's D like? Last week we had a pretty pretty uh, softy in, in uh, Kansas. Yeah, I don't think... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the full game. And that sucks. It's like, is it the whiskey? What is it? <laughs> All right. So the, the, the defense... <laughs> Not a soft D, right? I mean, these guys are coming in turgid. Randy Bellman on the DVE Morning Show. Yeah, but, you know, occasionally, you know, they made a big play when it really mattered. Offset eye to the left. Everything in tight for Joe Flacco. He turns and gives it to Collins. Runs wide. And he's hit wide. And down he goes. Great play. The ball came out. Who has a pitch? Steelers got it. What a hit on that play. Yeah, uh, big uh, fumble recovery there from Terrell Edmonds. It kept the Ravens from scoring and even uh, going up even uh, further at that point. Steelers able to mount a drive from that one-yard line to go down and end up uh, getting Boswell field goals. A little, little uh, comfort for the uh, for the black and gold, who last night were basically not good enough in the second half, <laughs> not good at all. They had the same exact start that they've had the last couple of weeks. They went down big right off the bat. They battled back to tie it for halftime, and you thought, okay, same uh, thing as uh, last couple of weeks, re- history repeating itself. This is how they're starting for some reason, but it didn't matter. And Ben said there was nothing that was uh, working out. We weren't on the field. You know, we, we I didn't make enough throws, and we didn't convert first downs. We were terrible on third down, and that's, that's on me. They had one third down conversion in the second half, and Ben did have a just a, a terrible second half. You know, we just got we went a lot of no huddle, got into a rhythm, and um, you know, when, you, when you're converting and getting first downs, you can get new sets of downs and more things happen, and like I said, just didn't make enough plays in the second half to do that. Things that aren't good to hear from your quarterback <laughs> after a loss for 500, Alex. You know, I don't think I'm on the same page as anybody right now because I'm not playing well enough. Uh, I need to play better. Today was just a bad day at the office. We've all had them. Uh, I had one today, and uh, I promise I'll be back to play better. Yeah, now, if we know anything about Ben, he does bounce back from games like this. But he, no had, he had a first half in which it looked like he had a slow start and then was going to be able to uh, lead this team forward. But didn't happen. Second half was brutal. They controlled the ball the entire time. I'm not sure what the time of possession was in the second half for the Ravens, but they, it seemed to me like they had the ball the from start to finish. Can he and the receivers go on a retreat? I know it's a short week, but <laughs> can they know. do any like team building stuff? Oh, I thought AB was going to have a meltdown. Maybe do an escape room together? I really thought AB was going to have a meltdown last night. It ended poorly for Ben. He's back with a snap. He waits. He throws it down the Pick. field. It's picked off. That's Anthony or Levine. Anthony Levine picks it off, and that dashes any hope for a comeback. Adam Levine's brother uh, stays overnight after Maroon 5 sold out PPG, gets the pick, and uh, that's all she wrote. Steelers are now tied with the Browns in the basement of the AFC North. And which team do you think looks like they're headed in in the other direction? Which one looks like they're going further down, and which one looks like they're headed upward? That Browns game was crazy. They got screwed. They lost at the last minute. I mean, you they know, got that, screwed. Yeah, they got screwed. Uh, but I mean, Baker Mayfield also threw a pick six and fumbled like three or four times. We're so. in bad shape. Bad shape. Uh, all right, Michael, have more on that coming up. We're going to talk with the new Holler Hall of Honor in Shiny. 
Alan Fanica, 9.15 this morning. Jerry D., Tim Benz, and uh, Stan Sabrin will all try to make sense of what we saw last night. Val's got news right now. What's up, Valerie? Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Love it. It's 58 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by CBS Television. I'm Val Porter. A New Jersey man is dead after contracting a brain-eating amoeba from a wave pool at a resort in Texas. According to the Waco Tribune Herald, 29-year-old Fabrizio Stabile died of the rare illness at the Atlantic City Medical Center. BSR Cable Park Surf Resort has been shut down as a precaution as officials test the water. Swimmers can contract the infection via contaminated water that gets into their mouth or nose. Ah. That amoeba causes encephalitis and death within 18 days after infection. And a water system in Louisiana testing positive for that brain, brain-eating amoeba. The operator of the Sligo water system said residents living southeast of Shreveport in Bossier Parish may be affected. Uh, Freeman said the water that tested positive for the amoeba was purchased from nearby Bossier City, uh, Bossier City and that they have disconnected from that supply and they're now using well water. I'm guessing that's a small town. Ugh. Still scary. It's weird. Really uh, scary. The biohazards that seem to be... Uh, Maybe a, this is going to do us all in. It, it is. The brain-eating amoebas. Uh, as uh, George Carlin once said, don't worry about the earth. The earth is going to be fine. <laughs> it's going to spit us right off of it and uh, keep trucking right along. And this might be the start of it, Val. Yep. There, that it, and the, the, the water. The flesh-eating disease. This stuff all has to be in conjunction out. with the, the climate's warming, right? I don't know. Did you see the forecast that the Trump administration had that by the year 2100, that the temperatures are going to raise the Earth's core by seven full degrees? So they're arguing, we've already lost. What's the point of there being regulations? <laughs> ah, just throw in the towel. Yeah. It's already going to be like that Mars planet and total recall. Why are we fighting it? Yeah, that's kind of what they're saying. They're ba- it's, which basically the Steelers might start to employ here pretty soon. Like, the season <laughs> is screwed. We might as well play Mason Rudolph. I mean, can we put a big, big like, Brita on uh, something? Like, can I mean, the, how, the water isn't good? That's that's. Well, that's the drinking essential. water, yeah, that's, well, I mean, Flint had the lead. Still has. Right. And a lot of, we're, there was a school, I think, in Butler that had lead in the in the water system and it was closed for a while. But the brain-eating amoebas, that's a scary one. It's all pretty scary. That, yeah, the brain-eating and the flesh-eating um, stuff that was happening with those the brackish ponds. Yeah. It's it's like you just can't get out of your car on the side of a desolate highway and just dump Take jump a into a swamp anymore. <laughs> Got to be more careful than that. Well, when I mean, I the good kid. news is if you do get the brain eating amoeba, it's only eighteen days till you die. What happens to you? Are you, you just like for yeah? Months and months. Right? Are you hospitalized for that whole time? Like, I'm gonna say yes. Yeah. When it starts eating your brain, you got to be like, ah. Well, the good news is, guys, seventeen more days at the wave pool. Am I right? <laughs> Uh, and speaking of these things, I don't know if people Google this as a medical symptom, uh, brain-eating amoeba, but... Google it uh, right now! <laughs> Bro, Bible, uh, Bro Bible listed the most Googled symptoms, medical symptoms in every state. In Wisconsin, it's light-colored poop. Google it right now! You know why? Because it's like, that's like a dairy... Too much dairy. State thing. Yeah, that's how they keep track of their dairy intake. 
In Mississippi, it's gas. They, they're worried about gas? I Stop guess. eating barbecue from a gas station. That's where <laughs> they go to get food in Mississippi. Like, gas stations have the best barbecue in Mississippi. I think, yeah, I think they mean internal gas, not gasoline. No, I'm aware. It was just more of a coincidence. <laughs> right. Gas, get some gas and gas. Gas in, gas out. Uh, symptoms of E. coli tops the list in Idaho. In Nebraska. <laughs> that makes me want to rethink my potato selection. <laughs> in Nebraska, it's signs of low testosterone. Oh, well, corn huskers aren't exactly off to a great start this year. So. I've been feeling like running backwards through a cornfield recently. <laughs> in New Mexico, it's phlegm. <laughs> phlegm? Yeah, although they misspell it. How do they do it? F-L-E-M. It's a P-H. Which that is a, that is a tough one. It's got the G in there. you got to put the P-H in the G. You need the <laughs> Right. In South Carolina, it's Farm. dark green stool. Yeah. This is, these are number one? Number one in these states. Dark Most Google. green stool. So I'm not sure what they're eating in South Carolina, but in California, it's sweaty palms. <laughs> in Indiana, uncircumcised problems. Sweaty palms sounds like a section of California. <laughs> yeah. We have a nice house in sweaty palms, California. And in PA, and this is not a symptom, you would look for symptoms of this, but in PA, they say the most Googled symptom is stress. Yeah, because the Steelers secondary is stressing me out. Yeah, exactly. What's going on? We can't make a tackle. Le'Veon ain't reporting and stressing me. Yeah, he ain't stressing me out. Well, um, I think this is the first of this type of story for the Halloween season. A North Dakota woman who thought she was treating her neighbors to a really cool Halloween display discovered she actually tricked them into thinking they'd stumbled into a violent crime scene. Becky Muse loves decorating her home for Halloween. She created a window display that featured the words, Help me, scrawled on the glass in red, making it look like it was written in blood. A neighbor was alarmed at the image and tried to uh, flag down a passing police car, but was laughed off, so he dialed 911. Police arrived at the scene to find the house empty since the woman and her husband were out for dinner. The neighbor said, that window has always had the curtains drawn, so I'm like, what is going on in there? The woman told police, it's any Halloween lover's dream come true to get that kind of reaction to their decorations. I mean, is that like the thing that they did, like, you know, early like a little too early and then you didn't decorate around that so people just saw a bloody window could have been yeah <laughs> it's like you can't do that you gotta you gotta kind of go full Give tilt. Some context if you're writing in blood on the wall there has to be like a spider outside and some <laughs> ghosts and some other things <laughs> yeah, make, make it clear you know what i mean yeah maybe a happy halloween on the other side <laughs> right Paul McCartney is set to release his first illustrated children's book titled Hey Grand Dude. Yeah, it's a little bleep, 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 but just some little drawings I've done. The book know, follows the around. adventures of a magical man yeah. named Grand Dude and his four grandchildren. McCartney's first solo literary title will be published bleep, bleep, in September bleep. of next year. It's just a collection of my diddly doos. Yeah. Uh, the 40th anniversary is upon us of the night that somebody drank Ozzy Osbourne under the table. It wasn't really drinking. It was uh, Van Halen singer David Lee Roth, and it was cocaine. The day before their Nashville show in November of 1978, the two spent 18 hours snorting coke. 
<laughs> Van Halen opened the Nashville concert, but Black Sabbath was forced to cancel because Ozzy had gone missing because he passed out in some random hotel. Police and FBI feared for the worst for Ozzy that he was lying dead somewhere in Nashville, but he eventually came around. And I, I mean, imagine what it was like. Me under the table. Was it like being uh, Ozzy the day after the coke bench, <laughs> where he's just still can't sleep and he's just all weirded out trying to figure out what happened the night before? That must have been a really productive Ozzy. We got rehearsal tonight. It's all right. It's all. It's like trying to find out what happened from a toddler. You can't rely on anything no. they say. He would be the like, worst witness in that. What really did happen? We don't know. Right. If Remember like, when Schubert was in here telling us that uh, Ozzy Osbourne was Sam Kinison's sponsor? Yeah, he was his... <laughs> sobriety. Sobriety sponsor. <laughs> and they like left a meeting and got in a limo with the uh, uh, Ozzy's Coke dealer? Yes. Well, this isn't going to last. Yeah, yeah, that's where we're. That's yeah, this will be fine. Led Zeppelin's 50th anniversary celebration has hit a bit of a sour note. A ruling Friday from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals will have the band face a retrial to determine whether or not "Stairway to Heaven" infringes on the song "Taurus" by Spirit. Zeppelin prevailed in a controversial 2016 trial, but the appellate justices ruled that the jury in the case was improperly instructed about unprotectable music elements and improperly instructed on originality. Taurus was not played in court because it was copyrighted before sound recordings as opposed to songs were covered under federal law. The Ninth Circuit held that the recording should have been played for the purpose of demonstrating Led Zeppelin's access to the song. The Zeppelin camp has not responded publicly to the decision. There's no indication when the trial will be held. Finally, Kevin Spacey has been sued by a male masseuse for sexual battery, according to Entertainment Tonight. According to court documents, the 59-year-old actor is being accused of sexual battery, gender violence, battery, assault, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and false imprisonment stemming from an alleged encounter in 2016. The accuser has chosen to not identify himself. He alleges the incident occurred when he was called to Spacey's home in Malibu in October of 2016 for a private massage. Uh, Gender violence? What the hell does that mean? I don't know. Okay. It is one of the the charges. Made up up crime. Using his gender to... I don't know. He claims that Spacey attempted to kiss him, forced him to touch his genitals, uh, also grabbed the man's genitals and uh, offered to perform oral sex. Yeah, this is the John Travolta treatment. It's the Travolta. He is asking for unspecified damages and attorney's (laughs) fees. Over the past year, several people have accused Spacey of harassment or assault. Forecast today, uh, not too bad. Temperatures in the mid-70s. It's supposed to be around 80 again later this week. Oh, yeah. Don't don't put away the lighter threads just yet. Yeah, it's 58 now at DB. All right. One bright spot for the Steelers looks like if they can get them the ball, that Vance McDonald might continue to just truck over people. Man under duress. Throws a pass. Leaping grab by Vance McDonald. He breaks the tackle. Still on his feet inside the 40, and they don't get it until he gets down to the 32-yard line. He was tough to haul down indeed. The problem is they're just an absolute mess all over the place. Zero running game. Coach Tomlin afterwards. We weren't able to find uh, enough traction tonight. Um, 
we didn't run it a lot. And I'd imagine the more we run it, the more traction we'll find. Uh, but again, as the game unfolded, they were controlling it by possession and winning possession downs, and we weren't. So it tends to look like that um, when, when the game is being controlled in that way. Fox Sports' Nick Wright, who I like a whole lot, had this to say about the Steelers. It's not pretty. I, the, they got lucky. This game was about to be a blowout. Yes, it was. Oh, and, of course, that soundbite. They start- forced that there fumble on the goal line. The offense then all of a sudden gets in sync. And they're 14-14 at the half. And at that point, I thought, okay, you dodged a bullet. You've, you've slowed the Ravens. Your offense is clicking. And then in the second half, the Steelers' offense went to sleep. 47 yards in the second half of a huge game. No running attack whatsoever, and really, they haven't had much of a rushing attack since that week one performance where they ended up tying Cleveland, and Big Ben wasn't sharp. It is, we talked last week how if the Patriots were to lose, it would be panic time in New England. Oh, it's panic time in Pittsburgh. But other than that, how was the rest of the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Yeesh. I'm looking up stress on WebMD right now. (laughs) Steelers are tied for last place with the Browns right now. Oh, do you have to say that? But the Browns look good, and the Steelers look lost. Oh, that's even worse. Mike Pursuta on how they can fix it against Atlanta this coming weekend. Post-game reaction from last night's loss to the Ravens at home. Sunday night football ends not so sunny for the Steelers. Details on that coming up. Plus, Hall of Honor and Shriney Allen Fanica joining us later on this morning on your home of the Steelers, DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuit is here to make sense of what happened last night. At no, he's not. Field. Uh, well, he's got something for you. Yeah, I don't. I don't I, know exactly what it is. But the Steelers in the second half were so abysmal. You know what? It, you know what pisses me off about it? That if they were just going to be bad, be bad right away, so I can go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, they tie it up, and I'm like, well, here we go. String us along. All right, second half. Let's make it happen. They, they went Ugh. from getting booed at home to having that place ready to burst to, I, I don't know how to make sense of a second half where you go over six on third down, you have the ball for eight, little over eight minutes, and you score nothing. And they, and they only got one first down in the entire second half. Sports is are brought to you by Blackish on My22. It is hard to explain, but they tell you in recovery that the first step is acknowledging the problem. Oh, yeah? Okay. While the Steelers were doing a lot of acknowledging last night, here's wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster. It's tough, man. It's a tough loss. Um, especially, you know, being a Pittsburgh Steelers is, is not easy, if not for us, our teammates and our coaches, but especially not our fans. So... Um, game four, just got to stay positive, keep moving forward, and, you know, we can't lose these games at home. Yeah, so they, they, they get that they should be winning these games. They get that they got to stay positive. Cam Hayward had that uh, figured out last night after Ravens 26, Steelers 14. Our uh, record's one and two and one. Um, we got games in front of us and plenty of games to play. So uh, that means, you know, if we got to win the rest of the division games, so be it. Uh you know, we control our own destiny either way. Um, we play these guys again. We see Cincinnati twice. We got another shot at Cleveland. I'm not going to overlook any game, but it starts next week and it starts tomorrow. Yeah, it starts with making the fixes that the Steelers have to make. Ramon Foster c- continued to maintain last night that uh, these fixes aren't major. They have to make a few adjustments and they can 
get back to doing what they usually do, but he also was aware of their 1-2-1 one, and one record to date. Not much. It's just more execution, whether it's up front, whether it's on the back end. It's just um, collectively, it's just little small things. There's nothing to panic about. We got to be a team to realize where we are and, and turn it around in a sense. You know, nobody wants to be here, especially here in Pittsburgh, uh, with a 1-2-1 with a one, and one record. Everybody's got that down. They are aware. Not time to panic. As a fan, I'd like to uh, implore them to panic. <laughs> Start making some decisions, not rash ones, which I guess is the definition of panicking. But, Mike, where's the where's the light at the end of the tunnel? An oncoming train? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And it might be led by Matty Ryan coming into town. Now, uh, you want some light, I'll give you some light, and... Ben Roethlisberger, pretty much every answer he gave last night was, I didn't play well enough. And, and he, was he, right. he was probably right about that. Yep. A uh, couple of critical series. They always tell you every game comes down to three, four, five plays right. in the NFL. Uh, it's 17-14 Ravens. The Steelers have a third and 12 at their 28 with 3.08 left. Third and 12, not an ideal scenario. But Roethlisberger had Antonio Brown open. Mm-hmm. The pass was behind Brown, whether that was because Brown was supposed to pull up and wait for the ball or whether he was supposed to keep running across the field, I don't know. But uh, if if Brown is hit in stride there, he might still be running. He might have scored to give them a lead. Instead, uh, incomplete, punt the ball. Ravens go down and get another field goal. So now it's 20-14, to 14, but it's still not over with. And then the next time the Steelers had it, third and five, from the Steelers, 45, and Roethlisberger to Brown, incomplete middle. There's there's two plays. If you make one of those, maybe it's a different game. If you make both of them, maybe you win the game. Instead, they made neither of them, and uh, the Ravens went down and got yet another field goal. Now there's uh, less than four minutes left, and you're down two scores, and it's pretty much over. But that mm-hmm. was the trend on the night. It was not getting it done on the ground, not getting it done on third down, not having the ball for uh, nearly enough time, and uh, the Ravens just kind of put the squeeze on it. You heard Cam Hayward a moment ago talk about uh, you got to go to work and, and make the corrections, and it's got to start today. Uh, here's Hayward talking some more about that. we got to be honest about what we're doing um, and see where we're falling short because that's the only way this, this ship's going to right itself is if we – you know, buckle down and correct our mistakes. Did Vince Williams suffer an injury? He did. Hamstring, right? Vince Williams suffered a hamstring injury. They're already not doing so great in that area. So that what that brings in uh, Dirty Red? Uh, I think it went with Fort last night. They also uh, lost Nat Burhey to a pec injury. They were already down Morgan Burnett and Mike Hilton, either one of those guys, dressed and uh, Darius Hayward Bay suffered an ankle injury. Um, this is uh, what you got to deal with in the NFL. Nobody's going to be crying for him. And hey, on the bright side, maybe those guys weren't that good to begin with. So the back, you know, shouldn't be a not yeah. Drop Can't up. drop down too far when yeah. the starting point was the shallow end. I'm yeah. not crying for them, but I am crying about them. I I know this is reductive, Mike, but the Le'Veon Bell saga has exacerbated this at least. This being the Steelers' lack of ability to really get anything going. 
I, you know, I guess that's in the eye of the beholder. I know. I, I, that's I, my I th- beholding. I think Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown should be able to hook up more regularly than they are, whether Le'Veon Bell's playing or not. Yeah. The play I just talked about, he was open. But they wouldn't have run that game plan him. last night, as you pointed out earlier. They wouldn't have been dropping everybody and saying, go ahead, throw yeah. it to James Conner. They wouldn't have said, go ahead, throw it to Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Well, again, this this was a third down, a possession down. Browns open. They missed. It's on those two guys. Ben said it's on him. I, Le'Veon's not coming up over the hill on a white horse. No, it would no. uh, be on a yeah. on a jet ski. Uh, yeah, on a jet ski out of the Mon. You know, if we that's get, not going to happen. If we get to the point in December that they were incapable of winning games without him, then maybe they should have paid. Him. <laughs> it it shouldn't be that. It can't be that. The tight ends would he, would he help? Absolutely, but so you think it just comes down to Ben was not good in the second half? Well, he's yes. got to he's yes. got to be okay. That's fa- I, I I'm, I, that's acceptable answer. He's got to have a Hall of Fame year for the Steelers to compete this year. Yeah. There's no question about that. I mean, who's Aaron Rodgers leaving on Bell? They don't even Maybe have a Le'Veon running back. They got a, they got a wide receiver <laughs> playing running back. I mean, it, if you want to be that, you got to be that. And that is uh, a, a quite a burden to bear for Ben Roethlisberger. That's the way this team has evolved. Still have yet if, to see James Washington be integrated fully into the offense. I think he had one uh, one attempt last night. He looked like he was struggling last night just to get lined up. Um, the, a lot of things have not happened the way they envisioned them happening. Uh, Terrell Edmonds is playing a lot but not getting a lot accomplished. James Washington has not been a factor as the three. So this is where they are. There's one, no two, joy one. in Mudville is what you're saying, Mike. Yeah. You heard uh, Hayward a moment ago talking about peeling back the layers. Here's uh, what that entails. Peeling everything back and saying, you know, where we're falling short. You know, not covering up and saying, oh, um, it was somebody else's fault. You know, it, it's a group effort. and see where we're falling short. Is it, you know, the scheme we're playing or we're not having the guys out there to do it? I don't think so. And, you know, I just think we got to execute better. Um, and we got to see where we're falling short in that sense because there's plays to be made. We're just not making them. Cam, have you guys been doing that all along, or does the urgency of the situation demand a little more? We've been doing it all along. Um, you know, that's this is something you have to do each week. I think we gave up 98 rushing yards, which is unacceptable. Uh, stopping the run uh, is a Steeler staple, um, and we're not doing it. Um, you know, and then they're getting passing yards. I know we got one turnover today. That's not enough. Uh, I don't think we won enough plays, and uh, they drain the clock on us. Yeah, to Ben Roethlisberger's credit, he's already peeled back the layers of Ravens 26, Steelers 14. You know, I don't think I'm on the same page as anybody right now because I'm not playing well enough. Uh, I need to play better. Today was just a, a bad day at the office. We've all had them. Uh, I had one today, and uh, I promise I'll be back to play better. All right, well, maybe that's it. Ben comes back, they play better, and the defense gets a, a few lucky breaks here or there, cause a fumble on the goal line, bail yourself out. That need, would it, need a couple more plays like that because I think they're going to give up yards. <laughs> they just are. Yeah. And that's why the offense They got to is- tackle at least, Mike. I mean, the inability to tackle, the yards after catch these guys are getting on the Steelers is sickening. I mean, look, they automatically run through the first tackler. Every defense in the league is giving up yards and points. Yeah. I mean, look around the league. Look at these scores. But that, offense on offense, you have to be elite. You have to be 
that next level. And that's why I think they miss Le'Veon Bell because I think they're an all-time offense with him in the lineup. And without him in the lineup, they're really good, but not maybe where they need to be this year. Well, they should be better than one touchdown without him. No question. They should be better than one touchdown without him. And they weren't last night. And one, two, and one is where they're at, as we like to say. On the way for you, Jerry Dulac, Tim Benz, Stan Saverin, and Hall of Honor and Trinee Alan Fanica will give us a shout. Nine fifteen. We'll talk to Al about. Well, he, you know, there was a couple teams he was on that weren't all that great or in similar struggling situations. I'm curious to see what he thinks about the direction that the league has taken. Also. Uh, just an all-around great guy. I wish I was there last night to have been able to just stand up and uh, give him the standing O when when they honored him at halftime. Was it he and Rocky that went in last night? And Bill Nunn. Yep. And Art Rooney Jr. Buddy Dow. And Buddy Dow. That was the second class of the Hall of Honor. Buddy Dow had the misfortune to play for a lot of teams that just weren't very good. Just weren't on the same page. But he was outstanding. <laughs> it happens. All right, uh, so that's all coming up for you. I want to remind you, Steelers, Falcons. Look, hey, will you fall off a horse? What happens? It you hurts get... like hell. Yeah, it hurts Break like hell. Break a few ribs. <laughs> if you get up and you get back on. Maybe you get some horse crap on you. Possibly, <laughs> yeah. Adding stank to injury. All right, we, we've gone too far in this analogy. The Steelers. Would you say we're beating a dead horse? Steelers and the Falcons. <laughs> Maybe that's why you fell off, because it wasn't moving. And... Steelers and the Falcons. Sunday. Another bird. Steelers and the Falcons. Who are they Sun- playing uh, next Sunday? Steelers and the Falcons. <laughs> it's already week five. Ep- Ep- Steelers and the Falcons. I think Matt Ryan already has 138 passes. It's the DVE morning show. Yeah, the Steelers lose last night against the Ravens in a big divisional matchup uh, against the Ravens. who looked pretty darn good. Well, against the Steelers. Yeah, they did. But they did look pretty good. Um, but Saturday night, a huge college football game in Happy Valley. And, Mike, you traveled to Penn State for the Penn State-Ohio State matchup. Uh, by the way, James Conner last night during the game when they announced him, they do those uh, pre-recorded uh, identity p- pieces, you know, and he's a James Conner, Erie McDowell. So he, he skipped Pitt and wow. referenced his high school. So, you know, I, I just made a joke on Twitter. I said, uh, you know, Conner has, uh, you know, apparently renounced Pitt. And it was just, you know, I was kidding around. Holy butthurt. The Pitt fans. Oh, no, dude. Oh, yeah, you no, can't, no, no, you no. can't uh, joke uh, with Pitt you, fans. I mean, it was, you can't. it was a joke. Yeah, they, No, they, I they stumbled into that, too, when they I don't made get fun jokes. of his hair. It yeah. was a joke. You can't. He didn't renounce Pitt. He said it last... Yeah, I know. Dude, it was... A, he beat cancer. Dude, it was a joke because... Why do you hate cancer, Randy? Yeah, it was, a, it was just a joke. Yeah, he's going to chill. Uh, anyway, so... Actually, he did. I mean... I mean, he... If you don't say your school, then you are tacitly renouncing it. Yeah, I, I get. Look, it does more for Erie, Pennsylvania, and McDowell High School, and they did a lot for him. It does a whole lot of a good for them to hear that. You know, Pitt. Yeah, but they're beating their drums over 19 rushing yards. Well, maybe he's oh, not saying. True. Yeah, maybe McDowell's he's not telling him next time. Like, go back to saying Pitt. James, wait, wait till you have a good game to bring us up. Well, I mean, maybe he's not saying Pitt because he has to keep wearing every team that Pitt plays his hoodie in the locker room because he keeps losing bets. Yeah, he does keep losing bets, but in in. Back to the the Penn State Ohio State game. You went up. That's that's one of those games. You know, there's a handful of them during the college football season that are 
marquee matchups, both teams highly ranked, primetime game, and uh, boy, it did not go good for James Franklin. Not at the end, but uh, what a day and what a game. It, it, it amazed me throughout the day. We went up very early. My son-in-law is a big Penn State fan who had yeah. never been to a game until last year. We took him up to the Akron game just because it was easy and, you know, tickets readily available. Right. The crowd wasn't that big. So we had talked about doing this Ohio State thing back in the spring and then just sort of forgot about it. Well, we did. He didn't. He just decided we're going. Mm-hmm. Hello, StubHub. Let's go. Yeah. And uh, we were up there tailgating, and then the crowd, it was uh, 110,889, a record crowd for Beaver Stadium. And it wasn't the greatest game from an execution standpoint, but boy, was that a heavyweight fight. Two top 10 teams, and they just took turns swinging at each other. Yeah. And, you know, Ohio State was left standing at the end. They rallied. But that it was amazing to me how loud it was. Uh, yeah. That's as loud an outdoor stadium as I've ever been in. My ears were ringing. We were about 25 rows up on the 10-yard line, and everybody was standing the whole time. The only time you sat down was during breaks in the game. And uh, just the, the back and forth and the emotion of it, it, what a great example of what college football is. And, and you were in Alabama the week before. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going this week. How about that, man? Two, two huge games. And you were telling us the Alabama atmosphere. Tuscaloosa, it's like a, a time machine walking back in time to, to watch a college football game there. Alabama, I'd always wanted to go there, and they've done so well mm-hmm. these, these last, uh, you know, in the Saban era, era. It's To me, Alabama is the epicenter now of college football. They're a dynasty. They're better than everybody else, and they just keep churning out these great teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the SEC's got that great reputation. I saw Alabama play Texas A&M, and that was the whole environment there from uh, from how polite it is and how friendly it is and how welcoming it is. Um, maybe you get that way when you're pretty sure you're going to beat everybody by 40 points. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Penn State crowd was more intense. But Alabama, to me, combine the tradition, the 17 national championships and the recent run, they're, Alabama's Rome right now. Boy, Penn State does that whiteout. Like, that's the first night game I've gone to up there. I've been to a lot of games. Yeah, that was just uh, the crowd just didn't stop. Well, didn't stop until that draw play went awry on fourth. Bad, uh, bad call. Uh, I mean, I think everybody acknowledges that, and uh, James Franklin acknowledged it after the game. He got in a shouting match with one of the students on his way into the locker room. Not exactly a. Uh, uh, stellar moment for the coach there who had to be restrained. Yeah, he's got to be a little smarter than that. He that almost is... went full run our test on him. Yeah. It's like, is he going up into the stands? It is so funny to me that the fans are like, no, no, coach is fine. He's a, We're not mad at him. It's okay because they knew that was going to go viral. No, no, we love him. No, 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 coach is fine. He's emotional. That's I, all. I didn't hear a lot of that leaving the facility. Not a lot of people saying coach is fine? Correct. Yeah, I'm sure that fans weren't exactly thrilled with him. The one negative about Penn State is it's so hard to get in and out of that yeah. the seating area in that stadium. Mm-hmm. And everybody stayed till the end because the game was sure up for grabs. And then everybody's trying to get into the three exit portals they have. I exaggerate a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of like it. standing in a crowd of people when you really wanted to be somewhere else. And well, uh, 
the emotions come out in that uh, particular instance. Boy, if you were the Steelers' defense, you probably wanted to be somewhere else in the second half, especially. They were on the field a, a whole lot. Do you yeah. have the time of possession in the second half over there, Mike? Because it seemed to me Jeez, that we like were going three and out every single time. And conversely, they had sustained long yeah. drives. Eight minutes and 29 seconds. In the second half? Wow. That's it? That's it. They have drives that long. Oh, that's how much we had the ball. Yes. Okay. All right. I thought you meant the Ravens. the Steelers. Yeah, well, I'm a fan, okay? You can be the impartial journalist. No, it's we. I'm the a-hole who's going to say we. I can't be, Randall. I have to be. Right. You want me being the impartial journalist. You need me being the impartial journalist. You can't. I can't handle the impartial part of that journalist requirement. You question the very method by which I bring you my impartiality. I would prefer that you just say thank you. Oh, you'll never get a thank you. You'll get an argument and, and an agree with an agree. I agree with you. And go to the when sleep you say by the warmth like. of my impartial blanket. There was no sleeping in any warmth that the Steelers provided last night. It was like walking around in that Vigo Mortensen, Mortensen movie. Yeah, the road. The road. Just desolate, post-apocalyptic. No hope. Hopefully, that'll turn around. It was bleak. It looks bad right now. You look at their schedule. When do they get to the good part? When do they get to the part like, all right, here's a break. The bye. <laughs> That's an actual break. Steelers, a literal one. Well, you talk about looking at the schedule. You know, one, two, and one's not very good. I'm thinking New England's at least another L. Yeah, well, what's one, three, and one look like? I mean, if they can't stop these guys, what's to say they're going to stop Matt Ryan and the Falcons? Baker Mayfield... Bad call, probably away from them getting a W yesterday, right? Well, what happened on that spot? We were doing the pregame show at the time. I still don't it looked get like it. they had it, that they, they didn't have like it. like they easily had it. Did they review it? Yeah, they reviewed it and, and reversed said it. no? Yeah. All right. Steelers are not in a great situation right now. But they can rebound. Look, maybe their season will reflect what their games are like. They stink right off the bat, and then they pull it together, and they get you back to square one by halftime. So maybe by week eight, Mike, we'll have our bleep together. Maybe not. Val's got news next. <laughs> um, there are a lot more celebrities willing to make personalized videos. I guess they're hard up, maybe. I don't know. You like uh, So you get like Mario Lopez will make you a yes. personal for your like, hey, yeah. it's my uh, husband's boyfriend. Yes. I want Mario Lopez to make... A birthday video. We'll talk about uh, who you can have do your video coming up. (laughs) I'm telling you right now. Well, it wouldn't be AC Slater. It wouldn't be. It would be Kelly Kapowski. What do you think about the straw movement, by the way? Well, I I I asked. I went out to dinner with somebody the other day, and I'm like, no straw, please. They're like, what? Does it make you feel good when you don't use straw? It makes me feel great. So my thing with the straws is, I'm with you a hundred percent. There's got to be a better way, but we just don't have it yet, and that's annoying because those paper straws, I don't know if you've used those, they, like, get wet and fold in immediately. You can't even get one drink down, Well, and then drinking without a straw, straw. I mean, I don't know, I have kind of, like, sensitive teeth, and you have to to cover your teeth like this. With your lip. Yeah, you're like, I'm saving the environment, but I'm definitely not getting laid. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Uh, you know... There's these biodegradable straws they have now mm-hmm. that are still like plasticky, but they're so fragile 
I almost bought you straws over the weekend. I don't want them. I don't care. I know. That's I'm why not... I didn't buy them. I'm like, he's not going to use those. No. I have some pasta straws from Italian Oven if you want some. I'm cool with that. Okay. But these biodegradable, they have them at Tesoro's. If you like, you know how when you pop them on the table to like pop the straw through the paper? Uh-huh. Yeah. If you do that with the biodegradable ones, it just shatters. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. Yeah. I mean, that... If my straw can't take that, well. <laughs> How's it going to stand up to liquid? That's right. Uh, the Steelers are not good right now. I know it's a scary time. No, that defense shattered last night. It is a scary time, but it's early. We can bounce back. A lot of people pointing out that uh could have been a lot worse last night. That's how I like to look at it. <laughs> you think it was bad last night? Sure. But, whew. Could have been a lot worse. They don't fumble on the one there? Right. They don't settle oh, for yeah. field goals? Right. Uh, could have been brutal. And it wasn't. So that's good. Steelers face the Falcons this weekend. Yeesh. Tim Menz will be on a little bit later on. Also, Alan Fanica will be joining us in the 9 o'clock hour. I always loved Alan, man. He's such a good dude. Oh, yeah. And he was a badass. Steeler great. Yeah, and I wonder if he, remembers a, the field. if he remembers a time when he played on a Steeler team that was struggling like this, and then was able to pull it together. Well, I mean, oh yeah, that. Well, I mean, the run that they had in oh five oh six, they had to win out at a certain point to in hit the a year. wild card. Yeah, and they were the you know the six seed mm-hmm. so going that, on the road. So that that he's done it. We'll have that coming up for you. Foul's it's got, possible. It could happen. It could happen. Foul. I know it's fall. But uh, the weather's not exactly fall-like. It's no. still, we're hanging on to summer. Going to be warm this week. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Uh-huh. It's 60 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by Blackish on My22. I'm Val Porter. One of President Trump's top advisors says she, too, is a victim of sexual assault. Kellyanne Conway made the statement on CNN State of the Union, saying she feels empathetic to other victims as she is one herself. Uh, Conway said you have to be accountable for your own actions, but you have to blame the perpetrators and not take your anger out on Supreme Court nominee Judge Brett Kavanaugh. So the only thing about the Kavanaugh thing, did you watch the SNL? Yeah, Matt Damon. Matt Damon was great. Hilarious. Very, very funny sketch. The thing about Kavanaugh is, you know, you can believe him or not believe him, but you cannot dispute that he lied his ass off the whole time. What you can say is, I don't think the things he lied about are important. Or you can think that some of them are very important. What did he lie about? Uh, dude, so much. A lot of dumb Devil's things. Devil's Triangle I think he lied about is some a drinking game. Devil's Triangle is not a drinking it game. It wasn't the game we played. We played um, Dirty Sanchez. That oh. was the game. How, what was that? It was, uh, that was, um, you know, a uh, couple Tequila. of guys. Some quarters. You played quarters. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I played, you know, Dirty, whatever, Devil's Triangle. <laughs> dirty Devil's Sorry. Triangle. You know, the drinking game. You just have to really wash off the quarter. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful After with you that make quarter. It. But That's not sanitary. Someone tweeted that, he, you know, he was going to explain, like, Rusty Trombone was one of our favorite <laughs> jazz musicians uh, from back in the day. I mean, he it, he just lied a whole lot. And, you know, look. look I mean, we've been Clinton there. We've about been at parties. BJ, Everybody's like, who wants to play Cleveland Steamer? I'm like, me. <laughs> I want to play. How do you play? I'm like, okay, lay down. I don't know. It just now wait a minute. The, the whole thing makes me want to go lift weights with Tobin. <laughs> 
Senator Elizabeth Warren says she may consider running for president. Speaking during a town hall event over the weekend, she said, after November 6th, I'll take a hard look at running for president. It marked the first time the Massachusetts Democrat has publicly said she would consider running. Uh, Warren is known for her progressive politics. President Trump has, of course, referred to her many times as Pocahontas because of her claims of Native American heritage. I don't know. I'm more excited about the Kanye announcement. Good luck to Kanye. Did she go on uh, Ancestry.com? And how did she come to that conclusion? (laughs) I don't know. Do you eat three meals a day? Yes. If you do, you are in the minority. And Uh, snackage in between. Well, that seems to be the more uh, popular thing. A new survey found 75% of Americans say they no longer eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We are snacking. Grazing, I guess. Also, uh, the research found more and more of us are opting for snack meals and smaller bites throughout the day. In fact, 86% of those surveyed said they had replaced a traditional meal with a snack meal. That's how Beyonce eats. The top snack or small meals include cheese, crackers, Mm. fruit, Mm. chips, nuts, veggies, yogurt, sweets, pretzels, and I'm not sure how you do this one quick, but frozen mozzarella sticks. The way I always look at it is this. If 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 your snack is something good, it's not that big of a deal. Like if you're eating healthy. Yeah, like healthy. Then it's not that big of a deal. I mean, you can't like eat an entire vat of hummus, you know, with a carrot stick and think that that's good. But fruit, veggies, stuff that's good for you. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's when your snacks are a bag of chips that, that you get screwed but chips are so good so good yes i rocked the kettle uh uh cape cod kettle cook kettle cook yesterday yeah oh, God. did you rip up the top of your mouth <laughs> no i was careful they're good as yeah see i'm reckless with those kind of chips that's why i just can't go there because i just try to eat too many chips at once and then i'm like ah my <laughs> mouth yeah my mouth yeah you you can rip it up and turn it into the Battle of Gettysburg in your mouth pretty quick. (laughs) The entire area is just decimated. In other food-related news, you ever go on a binge? You're just, like, for a period of time, you're just eating garbage every day. Yeah. Not like a couple days. Currently in that. Sundays. Way longer. No, I'm currently in that, like a month. A new survey found (laughs) the 10 most common things we do to make ourselves feel healthy when we're abusing our body for a while Eat some extra fruit and vegetables. Uh, try to eat less sugar. Oh, Sugar's a bad one. Buy more fruits and vegetables, even though you may not necessarily eat them. Take I the always stairs. end up throwing up out a little bit at the end of the week. Yeah. Because you can't eat that much fruit. Take the stairs. I always go, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start eating kiwi. And then a week later, I'm like, I'm never eating kiwi. Not eating that hairy thing. joe please uh, cut that out and uh i'd like that for my out of context soundboard please uh take the stairs instead of an elevator instead of an elevator i did that for a while in the morning taking the stairs yeah yeah did it make you that's really early (laughs) did it make you feel Anything other than annoyed? Other than winded? No. Yeah, it's like, why am I doing this? Halfway up, I start to get nervous about the show, and then my heart starts pounding twice as fast. I'm like, oh, God. The only time I decide that I want to be healthy and take the stairs is when I see somebody at the elevator bank that I want to ride up with. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Looks like I'm taking the stairs. I'm not talking to that that guy. 
Trying to be healthy this morning. Hey, I'll see you up there. Hey, be healthy. I walk every morning. No, you don't. <laughs> it's a thing I do. Have a good day. <laughs> Carrying around a reusable water bottle so you drink more water. You know what you do? You just collect germs. Those things are germ catchers. At least it's not the brain-eating amoeba. I hang my germ catcher above my bed. <laughs> Start planning out your meals beforehand. Have a smoothie, which aren't those just loaded with calories? Smoothie? Smoothies, yeah. Drink uh I don't know, drink tea. I wrote drink team. Drink tea. Yeah, tea, you know, if you if you green tea. Yeah, green tea? teas are green good. Tea. Green teas are good for you. Why? Well, uh, there are components in it that actually help you f- fight weight gain and suppress appetite. And there's antioxidants in it, oh, and it doesn't have caffeine. Antioxidants are great yeah. because oxidants are a bad thing, and you need <laughs> antioxidants. Less of those and more yeah. of the anti. Right. Turn like, off your like perspirant is bad, but antiperspirant. That's where that's good. what we need. Turn off your phone before bed so you sleep better. My no. phone is my alarm. I th- right. I got to get an alarm. You know, yeah. outside of my phone. Because that's bad. You and should make it the lunk alarm from Planet Fitness. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to wake up uh, with a grunt? Yeah. Ugh! Oh, dude, imagine that if that you was up. your alarm waking up. Some guy, like the, the grunt of a guy at the I gym. I never want to hear you that. You would run out of bed, though. Yeah. If you heard, Aah! you'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. Some guy just about to, like, you know, blow his O ring out, trying to, <laughs> trying to do his max for the week. That You would jump out of bed so fast. And have a bowl of fruit rather than ice cream. Said no one ever. <laughs> right. uh, compromise. <laughs> Put some fruit on, on the your ice cream. cream. Some yeah. blueberries, some strawberries. Exactly, Val. Uh, the survey also found the average person doesn't really start taking their health seriously until age 41, and there's usually a reason like a health scare. Or are you just fat? By the right. way, uh, here, health scare... Rick Seaback tore his quad or something, like ripped his quad muscle or the tendon. He's been in the hospital for six weeks rehabbing. I think he's like midway through it. He's got to stop playing pickup football. Every day, he posts pictures to social media of people in town bringing him food. So now it has become like this thing, because basically his Facebook feed is its own TV show. And... (laughs) Someone needs to go through and calculate how many calories Rick Seaback is eating in the hospital every day. I mean, this was yesterday. He had pizzas from Dinette and Fiori's. Uh, somebody oh brought God. down with uh, uh, breakfast stuff, uh, some like fresh herbs. And so he had a nice salad for breakfast, I guess, which was uh, out of <laughs> ordinary. Salad. Saturday afternoon, prosciutto sandwiches from uh, Marani Groceria. On Bates Street, look at like big, huge Italian oh, yeah. breads cut in half with just tons of prosciutto in them. It's non-stop desserts from uh, Shell Sweets. His entire—it's like he's just getting awesome food piped in. That's kind of Prannels brings him all this stuff. If you go through his feed right now, it will make you. I mean, this could end horribly. He might be the only person who gets super sick in the hospital with something else while he's trying to get better. Yeah, I'm sh- I'm surprised the hospital staff hasn't kind of put a stop to that. Woolies bringing in all this fried fish. It never stops. 
Maybe the nurses are reaping the benefits, so they're like, yeah, come on, bring it in. I'm picturing like he's just in his hotel room and there's a hibachi chef flipping shrimp into his mouth. Is he in a rehab? Yeah. Hospital? He's not in a hospital hospital. Don't, it's a rehab facility. Like a Health South kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. Everybody's journey. bringing him donuts, pies. different. He gets different pizza pizzas every day. Someone brought him Sounds a bunch like of sausage. He's got it made. I mean- like, can I rip my quad? <laughs> it sounds like a good deal. We got to get Rick on the phone. I, I think he's lying now. He's, he's got ph- photographic proof. I think he walks perfectly fine. Oh, that part. Yeah. Maybe. He's faking the injury. Uh, wouldn't you? At this point, this... What a ruse. I'm not quite back to 100%. I think I should stay another week. Good news is your quad's fixed. The bad news is we're going to need to do a quadruple bypass <laughs> or you're going to die. <laughs> uh, we got Tim Benz who's going to be joining us shortly. Alan Fanica was inducted into the Hall of Honor last night, and he will uh, uh, join us at 9.15 this morning. I want to remind you, the Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, Minio's Pizza House in Squirrel Hill. I'm, uh, how many Minio's has Seaback had by now? A million? Three Bud, right? Three Bud Light bottles every Steelers Sunday. Minios in Squirrel Hill. That's your Bud Light game day bar of the week. It was just an article in uh, today's paper about their 60th anniversary. No kidding. Now, you were, that was your neck of the woods, nape of the way. There's one yes. in Mount Lebo, but the original one is really the East End one. In Squirrel Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and my parents grew up at Minios, you know, going to Minios as kids. And then uh, Joe Aiello actually worked at Minios. And when he went up the street to Aiello's, they followed him. But, you know, you still go to both places. Right. They're both great for different reasons, uh, different kinds of pies. But, uh, yeah, Minios is a classic. Tim Benz is joining us right now. He's part of the Pittsburgh Steeler Radio Network uh, here on DVE. And, uh, Benzie, last night they started out the same way, got behind Big time, rallied, came back, tied it before halftime, seen this fish before. But then the second half, a little different. The offense completely sputtered. As bad yeah, as yeah. the as bad as the defense is, they at least were bending and not completely breaking. Twenty six points, our offense should be able to overcome that. Yeah, the defense was bad. Early, bad, late, but in between, uh, especially when they forced the red zone turnover. Remember, Baltimore's getting so much pub, and rightfully so, for being as good as they were in the red zone, 12 for 12 in the red zone offensively. I thought the defense held its own for the larger part of the game. Could have been better on third down, but all in all, that, that you can argue that's the best performance. It has been the best performance that we've seen defensively uh, since the first half of Cleveland, I would say. Offensively, though, they were putrid on third down. I thought their third down efforts were terrible. Uh, we heard Ben Roethlisberger put it on himself. Yeah, he's got to say that, but uh, I hope he knows he means it, too. He was the fourth-best quarterback in his own division yesterday, and um, the play calling, I thought, on third downs was really suspect as well. There were a couple that leaped to mind, that little swing out to Ryan Switzer. I have no idea why you go for basically a 50-50 fade route against a bigger corner to A.B., uh, when it's third and three from the Cleveland 20 early on, those two come to mind. And in a game where every possession was going to matter from Jump Street, even though you got off to a bad start and you were third and 18, I hate the notion of just basically running a screen pass to get a few more yards before a punt. Uh, I think all yeah. of those were poor. I agree. Uh, do you have the ability to pick up a handheld right now instead of that? Because uh, I'm losing you in the echo of the speaker. 
How's that? Is that any better? There you go. Broadcasting uh, uh, graduate from Syracuse, Tim Benz, picks up the phone. Uh, Were you getting an MRI or something? No, 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 I was on my podcast equipment. I was getting ready to do my thing with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If only all problems were as easily resolved. Right, if the Steelers could solve all their problems as easily as that. Okay, here's Well, now we're on the same page. So So now... This this should be easy from here on. The offense sputters so badly in the second half, everyone starts going, you know... This is when they they miss Levy on. Now, Mike keeps saying, look, James Conner is doing fine. But there's no question that they wouldn't have been able to have that defensive scheme against the Steelers last night if if Levy on Bell was in there. Just to be clear, I'm not saying he's doing fine. I'm saying he shouldn't be a deal breaker with all the other playmakers that they have. They would be better with him than without him. But they should not be this bad without him. Ben's your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I agree. Uh, it shouldn't be as bad without him, but I do think they miss him. And I think that's really coming to light here, uh, especially in the past game. I think if Le'Veon Bell is in, they're not using Ryan Switzer as the running back as often as they are. Um, or at all. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I think that a lot of what's going on with the offense, I, I think it's coming to light, started more with Lev than we wanted to admit. You know, there's this notion going into the season that, Maybe it was just us talking ourselves into they're going to be fine without him. But there were a lot of people who were starting to feel like, oh, it's just about Ben and A.B. and then Lev is sort of a byproduct of that. I think we're starting to see that's not the case. Yeah, it was uh, disturbing to watch how ineffective they were last night, but it really came down to the fact that Ben Roethlisberger seemed to just drop off precipitously in the second half. Um, The defense... I don't know if it's going to get any better than this at any point in the year. The miscommunication, Tim, uh, is this a coaching thing? Is it a personnel thing? Is there any way to make it better? Yes. I, I don't know if there's any way to make it better this year. Uh, I thought that you know when they talked about trying to scheme around some of the absences of good players at inside linebacker, namely Ryan Sinzer, uh trying to get away from the basic old-school 3-4 that was smart, be more multiple, be more diverse. I think that's something that's hurt them in the past is being too predictable and too static in their defense. But it feels right now they've overcomplicated it for the kind of players that they have right now. Uh, it's great to be diverse, but you have to have guys that are good at doing multiple things, and I just don't know that they have enough of those guys. Does Earl Thomas's injury yesterday allow Le'Veon Bell to save face with some Steeler fans? If people want to rationalize it that way, but I don't think it's the same thing, do you? Um, uh, it, it's part of the same argument. I Come back, get hurt. He has no guaranteed money. Yeah, but I think the, the anger that most people should have towards Bell is how he handled himself prior to training camp, between July 17th and July 24th, between the time where he told the Steelers that he had every intention of showing up and then Todd Gurley signs his contract on the 24th, and suddenly he's not showing up. Right. Like, that changes everything. That's, that's different than what Earl Thomas did. And this equation that he's got in his mind, that he is somehow worth not only wide receiver and running back money, but somehow what also Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack made, I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. I, I get the equivalence, but I think uh, just absolving him of any guilt just because Earl Thomas happened to get hurt is taking it one step too far because I think the real anger should be channeled at how he handled himself more so than his contractual demands and his angst over the franchise tag. You think they'll have a new punter next week? 
uh, that would be the least of their problems. But uh, maybe uh, I think I think right now though, don't you feel that they would also be if it's fifty fifty between getting Jordan Berry and a slightly better version of Jordan Berry? Do you want to screw up the holder for Chris Bosman? No, finally gotten back in rhythm. No. Yeah, so Don't get me wrong, I, but he's just been – I mean, it's like everything has been a mess. Yeah, I, I think that – aren't you at that point – that feels like a very Bill Cowher kind of move where everything's going wrong and you yell at the punter. In this case, everything's <laughs> going wrong and you cut the punter. That's um, funny, yeah. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think you have to go down He did path. used to scream at Josh Miller all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think you should wait until the Christmas party for Jordan Barry. <laughs> the legendary incident. Uh, well, I you know now what for the Steelers? You know it's like uh, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt. You're not seeing those guys do a whole lot right now. The, uh, the nose tackle seems like that's a little bit of a revolving door. Uh, you know you got a cornerback situation with revolving door. They they seem to be throwing everything at the wall and have no real answer other than they hope eventually someone really starts playing well. Yeah, the defensive line is definitely an issue, not only in terms of the run first, but also getting after the passer since allegedly the defense is relying more on the ends to get upfield and provide the pressure more so than just the outside linebackers. And it's got to be on the defensive ends as well. That was supposed to be part of the evolution of this defense. And mm-hmm. what was it, 44 dropbacks yesterday for Joe Flacco and just two sacks? Uh, Cam Hayward yeah. is perceived to be the best player on that defense. Uh, Stephon Tewitt is making $60 million. They've got to make some plays. If they don't, it's got to come to the outside linebackers. The outside linebackers last night, uh, T.J. Watt's stat line was uh, four tackles and nothing else. Bud Dupree's stat line was his one sack and literally nothing else. Uh, they're going to be even a quasi-version of your 3-4. You need better than that from your outside linebackers. Uh, just top to bottom, they need more plays on defense. For a defense that's not going to be stout enough to force four and out naturally, they got to get more turnovers. they got to get more sacks. Uh, I got into it a lot this week on Twitter with a lot of football fans saying, oh, well, you just can't play defense in the NFL anymore. It's hard to play defense anywhere. Uh, the Steelers, if they get their sacks and turnovers, they'll be fine. Oh, okay, we'll get more of them then. If you're going to allow that many yards, then you need more than one turnover deep in your own red zone, and you need more than two sacks along the way. Tim Benz, part of the Pittsburgh Steelers Radio Network pregame here on DVE. Benzie, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. And I would like to, from now on, be referred to as Tim Benz, Guilford High School, Guilford, Connecticut, as opposed to Tim Benz, Syracuse University. Well, like after the way you started this, one. <laughs> failing the broadcasting 101 uh, 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 speakerphone test, you're going to have to renounce your Syracuse bona fides. Well, between that and the way they blew it in the goal line, or at the goal line against Clemson, uh, yeah, I just... I, I want to go back to my high school roots. I'm glad you fall you fell into the trap that I've done with pit fans over the years. You make one joke about James Conner and look what happens. They're right? just they're, you know what it is is they're they're just they're so hurt. Oh, they, they're they're very yeah. hurt about what's happened to their program. I get it, and they see yeah. they see every little slight as being much bigger than it probably actually probably is. Should be used to it by now, shouldn't they? Yeah, thirteen thousand will show up for the game on Saturday, but fifteen thousand will show up on Twitter if you make a joke. <laughs> Tim Benz, thanks, man. Friends. DVE Sports. Mike Prasuda has your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show and a sloppy Saturday, Sunday night, rather, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Unproductive Sports this hour brought to you by Hubbus Auto and Truck Supply. The Steelers lost to the Ravens 26-14. to And uh, if you want to pick a stat that pretty much sums up what took place at Heinz Field, it would be this. 
The Steelers went two for 12, converting third downs, 17%, including 0 for 6 in the second half. Juju Smith-Schuster hasn't been around long enough, or very long, I should say, but he's been around long enough Mm -hmm. to know that that ain't cutting it. Just got to execute on third down. We got to make our plays, and, uh, you know, the Ravens, they did that, and they executed, and they held the ball, and that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, there was a lot else that went on, but uh, that was your overriding deciding factor. Baltimore, 8 of 17 on third downs and 1 of 1 on fourth down. Possession downs. You hear Mike Tomlin talk about that a lot. They were, what was the word you used today, Bill? Oh, I remember. Abysmal. Abysmal. Yeah. I needed Pepto-abysmal after that game last (laughs) night. Still didn't run the ball very much either. Uh, no, they eleven did not. attempts, they nineteen yards. Eleven attempts for nineteen yards uh, in the new age NFL, where it's pass, pass, pass. That wouldn't seem to be uh, a deal breaker. It's not certainly acceptable or advisable, but uh, but if the passing game's not clicking, then you're not controlling the ball at all. You're not taking any time off the clock. You're letting the other team stay in a rhythm. And that's why uh, you have the ball for eight minutes and 29 seconds in the second half. Here's Mike Tomlin. We weren't able to find uh, enough traction tonight. Um, We didn't run it a lot. And I'd imagine the more we run it, the more traction we'll find. Uh, But again, as the game unfolded, they were controlling it by possession and winning possession downs, and we weren't. So it tends to look like that um, when, when the game is being controlled in that way. We had them buried deep in the second half and still only, was it a six-point lead that they had at the time or was it a seven-point lead? I don't remember. But, uh, you know, we were within a score. They hit Renegade, and then they let them just go on like a six-, seven-minute drive. Steelers, conversely, uh, didn't run it much because they didn't convert on third down. Maybe if they had made a few more third downs, they could have run the ball more often and more effectively, but they didn't and they couldn't. Here's Ben Roethlisberger. When you convert and get first downs, you can get new sets of downs and more things happen. And like I said, just didn't make enough plays in the second half to do that. Yeah, didn't make enough plays. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger knows uh, upon whose shoulders that falls first and foremost. You know, I don't think I'm on the same page as anybody right now because I'm not playing well enough. Uh, I need to play better. Today was just a a bad day at the office. We've all had them. Uh, I had one today, and uh, I promise I'll be back to play better. I would expect that, but that's uh, twice in four games now when he's not been the best quarterback on the field, and when that's going to be the case, they're going to have a problem. There's a lot. I mean, Ben is like Atlas this year. I mean, the weight of the world is on his shoulders. If he's not great in every game, they're going to lose a lot of them. Yeah, and there's the way this team is set up, there is no way around that. Uh, the defense hung in there last night. It got pushed around a lot, but kept him out of the end zone at least. Although, don't forget the miss to Crabtree. Joe Flacco had uh, Michael Crabtree Yeesh. wide open. That should have been a touchdown. And Baltimore also fumbled at the one-yard line, on first down at the one-yard line. Yeah. Uh, that easily could have been a whole lot worse score-wise. Yeah, they missed a, a lot of opportunities on their end. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, the Steelers defense has relied on that in the first few weeks that the other team's not going to execute always. They've been able to come up with big plays despite letting up massive drives and stuff. You know, it's like I said last week, we swapped out last year's defense for one that's worse but comes up with more turnovers. 
it seems like. And well, they got two more last night, or they get one? One. Just the one fumble. not enough, yeah. The way it worked in Tampa is probably the way it's going to have to work, which is they're going to give up yards, they're going to give up points, but if they can make those three or four splash plays that, that help change the outcome of the game, I, I think that's the best they can hope for. And if they're going to score 14 points and score one touchdown at home, they're not going to be able to – there's not enough splash in the Atlantic Ocean to yeah. cover that. They had all the mojo coming out of the second, or first half. They get the ball to start the second half and squander it. Yeah. Such a drag. Jerry Dulac's here right now, and uh, it it seems pretty bleak, Jerry. Yes, I, I, I mean, I'm not exactly sure. Hold on a second. Let me see. If, oh, sorry. There we go. It seems pretty bleak to me. Better. Both offensively and defensively. Offensively, I thought, well, we have so many weapons. Even if Lev isn't there with Vance McDonald's immersion, uh, emergence, rather. <laughs> immersion. Yeah. No, he was in the cold tub for a while, but he's out <laughs> now. He started rolling people, and I thought, oh, we can get a couple of tight ends who can get it done. A.B., Juju, maybe Washington starts doing some stuff. Switzer, this kid, is able to run out of the slot a little bit and give you a little different look, good and short yardage. Hey, that's going to be enough, but if the quarterback can't get it to him, it doesn't matter. No, he, he And was... they didn't seem to be getting open for him either, though. No, uh, they you know they were run they were t- obviously taking away all the deep stuff. They were running yeah. a lot of cover two, a lot of cover three uh, uh, all night. Um, you know they were bracketing AB. They weren't going to give him any room. He had made a great catch in the end zone. That was a great catch, absolutely. But um, just starting to sound like him. Um, yeah, but, a great catch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know there's no running game, no running game, and I'm not going to lay it all on Connor because it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of room. Uh, to run, you know, that's not the 2,000 Ravens there last night on the run defense. You know, that's they're giving up 100-some yards. And other than those two runs in Tampa in the fourth quarter, the 27-yarder and the 17-yarder, and I'm not dismissing them, but you go back to that fumble uh, in Cleveland. And fr- from that point to last night, through last night, I- I'm not even sure he's averaging two yards. Now, the 27-yarder and 17-yarder changed the average, but Again, not just to throw them out, but throw them out. I don't know that he's averaging two yards a pop on about 42 attempts, and um, it's not very good right now. So that's that's part of it, too. And I don't want to hear what? that they got behind because when you get behind, defenses then know you're going to throw, which should open up some run lanes. Right. So it's just it, that, that's not working. What either. about Ridley? Uh, you I know, was surprised he didn't get a few carries. Because it, it, you know, again, nothing was working with James Conner. I, you know, put him in for a couple plays like they did. Uh, yeah. Tampa. I mean, at least at least give him a shot. You know, he hits the hole quick. Um, not saying he's going to be the difference, but put him in there. Give put put someone else in. See if something could work. It just seems like they're as surprised as anybody that they're unable to get anything going offensively. Uh, you, know what, you know what I saw last night, Randall? I saw and, and Mike. Uh, you know, and I, we talked a little bit about this in the pregame. Baltimore surprisingly, shockingly changed change from their what they usually do they are very creative offensively last night they ran a play at one point and i don't know if you caught this mike where they lined the the tight end the tight end at guard and he was eligible they lined him yeah. off center and ran him up the middle of the field they were running you know they put eight in lamar jackson and they were running misdirections using him as a decoy um they had the Steelers. I don't want to say completely befuddled, but um, they did. They they become under Marty Morningwig very creative, and I give them credit. And I don't. I don't. I think they caught the Steelers off guard a lot of times. You know, Joe. I Clyde. think they did too, and they, that shouldn't have happened with Jackson because it's on tape. 
what they've been doing with right, him. Right. And the first time he comes into the game, the Steelers had to take a timeout. Take timeout, right. They weren't and, ready for it. And the rest of the time, when they would, Charlie Batch pointed this out on the postgame show, when they would wind, line up Flacco wide left, Jackson would run right. If Flacco yeah, lined up wide week. right, they'd run the other way. So Jackson run would away run left. They were running away from Flacco because they don't want him getting into any kind of mm-hmm. possibly being involved in the play. By the way, they covered him expertly. Yeah, Flacco <laughs> could not get open. He was blanketed. Right. <laughs> but not you know, they, in a they, they didn't even try a target to Flacco. They covered him so well. <laughs> the, so good uh, job there. The long play, the 71-yarder, you know, they catch him in his zone blitz, and Terrell Edmonds has to cover the whole field. I'm not exonerating him, but he has to cover the whole field. Yeah. He's not as fast be, as Brown. No, no, and he's just he just gets beat over the top because they max protect Steelers zone blitz, and bang, they get they get caught in it. And That's um, a beautiful throw. You know, it didn't help either. that Not not that this was the difference because, you know, Flacco looks like Dan Marino when he plays the Steelers. But, you know, you have Especially no more, in Heinz no Field, Morgan, he looks yeah, good. No Morgan Burnett, no Mike Hilton, and they lose Nat Burry, and not that he's been playing, but when that happens, yeah. now you've got to play Cody Sensabaugh at dime. You know, they use Cam Sutton at mm-hmm. nickel instead of Cam the other way around and um they they just they took them apart they really did and uh, they caught them every every which way and i give the ravens credit they just out schemed them and and out executed them no question so where's the light at the end of the tunnel i'm not sure <laughs> um i i don't know where it is i i think i think the light is um if there is i mean you see little little steps from the defense um the offense is probably, I don't want to say more troubling, but you get shut out in the second half the last two games. Ben looked frustrated. Yes, oh, he yes, he did. He looked very yeah. frustrated and just kind of not flummoxed, but... He looked more frustrated than Antonio Brown last night, and that that's mm-hmm. saying a lot. Antonio know? Brown kept his composure. Absolutely I, I actually did. thought he might have Absolutely. popped off again right. last Absolutely. night. Right, especially early when he was getting nothing, and then he got those three straight plays and then the touchdown. You know, but uh, only one catch uh, in the second half. Um, you know, I I, I think it, you you have to be able to do something running the ball that would certainly help. Uh, but, you know, when you're in shotgun and you're going empty a lot and the other team knows you're not going to run the ball, um, but I think I think they need to be a little bit more creative offensively just to create a little more confusion out there and, and give the defense something else to think about. But right now... You know they're 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 not they're not doing a lot to create those 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 passing lanes. The passing lane that's open is the middle of the field. Yeah. it was underneath, but the tight ends were effective. And beyond that, and in the second half, I don't know if you noticed they went. You know they did they sat forty one. Um, drawing a blank, the guy who had the interception. They sat forty one in the middle of the field. And Levine, they just, pardon, Levine. Yeah, Levine, Anthony Levine. And they almost didn't move him. And Ben kept trying to force it into the middle of the field to to try and make something happen. I'm surprised he only had one pick. He could have had four. Well, I'm sensing a trend uh, in your thinking here about the running game and its ineffectiveness being a factor in the passing game not being effective now because they don't even have to try to defend it. You get down by 14 right away. Put yourself in a little bit of a situation, though, Chair. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I like I said, I understand maybe you want to want to come a, a dictate with the run, but when you have Ben back there throwing, you should be able to open up some passing lanes if they're going to drop guys into coverage. But again, I I think they need to do. I think they need to be a little bit more creative in what they're doing to uh, to help you know give the defense something to think about, maybe even confuse them because that's what Baltimore did to them, and you saw how that worked. Well, you know, the, the throws were obviously off, and Roethlisberger no acknowledged that. You know what you haven't heard yet this year is what Ben got us in the right play against that defense, and 
he was so good at that last year. I think part of the problem, uh, to your point about the creativity, they are predictable. And he, uh, absolutely, he is Todd not, Haley right. was not predictable, or, or Ben is not as. I mean, a lot of that stuff he did last year was in the the no huddle. He he is not diagnosed. At least he's not been credited for getting him in the right play often, which happened all the time last year. You heard guys talking about that ad nauseum after games, and it's because Landry's not here anymore. Based, yeah. on, <laughs> you know, based on the results, he's not doing it. Is the DVE Morning Show, Randy Bauman. I want to thank everybody that came out to the Ramble on Friday night at the Rex Theater. We had a packed house out there, Mike. It was awesome. And uh, a lot of uh, amazing performances. Bill Deasy was great. Jen Wirtz from Rusted Root. Jim Donovan played drums all night. He was incredible. Uh, Clinton Clegg. A girl named Sierra Sellers, who you're going to hear a lot about, I think. Who heard some of the clips today mm-hmm. that was sounded phenomenal. Oh, she yeah, and she was outstanding. Addie Twig, Molly Alphabet, Chet Vincent, Andre Costello. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Thanks to everybody who made that possible. It was it was a real blast. We had an, an awesome time. Steelers Falcons this Sunday, Week Five, back at Heinz Field. How about that? Your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. <laughs> For that game is Minios in Squirrel Hill, $3 Bud Light bottles every Steelers Sunday. Bud Light game day bar of the week. Minios, Pizza House in Squirrel Hill. So what are they going to look at this week? What's What do they have to hang their hat on? You know, getting some guys back from injury? I mean, aside from that. If they do. Yeah, if, if they're able to do that. Aside from that. Hmm. Does this affect anything they would do with Le'Veon Bell or that's a foregone conclusion? There's no way all of a sudden they're going to magically make that occur. It's well, no, just they, not how the Steelers do business. So the only thing they could possibly do is offer him more money on the uh, on what's left of the franchise tag, the prorated portion of it. Right? And they're not going to do that. Do you even know what you would get at this point? I, yeah, because we, you know, we're saying off the Which, air, and again, you know, we can keep talking about. Yeah, he's an All Pro. He's not here. He's not an he's All not Pro. Coming shape. so. Deal with it, you know. Just fold the tent, don't play the season now? Oh, well, I guess they did need Le'Veon Bell. I mean, Roethlisberger's got to play better. James Washington is a guy that excited everyone starting OTAs, and he has yet to make a real impact as that third receiver. And he's played it a lot. Now, I thought he looked uh, very uncertain last night. Too. Yeah, I, I, Mike, I'm, I'm with Even you. getting lined up. Yeah, he's getting enough snaps. I keep waiting for a little bit more. Uh, and you know, it's 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 sometimes sometimes it's tough for a rookie receiver. It you know, is. Juju didn't come through till really the second but half gonna, last year. They're going to need him to pick it up. Absolutely, uh, they got to yeah. run the ball better. I'm not saying you know they're not going to become a running team. Uh, how much of that is Connor? How much is that's the line? Yeah, I, 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 to me, I don't know. You know, they had uh, they had everybody healthy last night for the most part, and uh, I thought they would be able to run the ball better. You know, having to Castro back. I, I thought would be a big difference. You know, those struggles were in the previous two games without him. You didn't have Marcus Gilbert last game, but they were back, and um, I, I expected a better performance running the ball. And, and then uh, uh, defensively, uh, you, you've not seen a huge impact out of Terrell Edmonds, and he's played a lot out of necessity because of the Morgan Burnett injuries. And I, I keep going back. I don't know if they'll ever have the seven guys they want to use in that seven DBs package healthy. <laughs> But we haven't seen that on the field other than a couple of snaps in the Cleveland game. Maybe yeah. that's an answer. Uh, yeah, not having Morgan Burnett. Not, not they're getting you know, run on playing base. So yeah. what's what's the fear of getting run on if you're playing seven DBs? At least they're not going to throw it over your head. Mm-hmm. Well, you know when when Morgan Burnett isn't there, um, you know not not that you know he's the he's the uh, the ants the end all, but. 
But at least when he they put him in the box, it makes a difference because now you have a bigger safety in there, and he's more equipped to handle that than any of the other guys that they have. So that that doesn't help matters. Um, but uh, you know when they when they lose Mike Hilton uh, and Morgan Burnett, that's a big part of what they do, and that's no excuse. But that that didn't help them yesterday. Ramon Foster after the game, we, we got to correct ourselves more than anything. It's, it's not a sense of uh, you know just just getting beat. You know we, we're, we're doing some stuff to beat ourselves, some stuff that's correctable, some things that we just got to check ourselves on more than anything, and we'll be fine. You know they came in and they just executed more than we did. Uh, we did exactly what we were supposed to early on. We just didn't do enough to finish it out. You know that. You know, I, I I love when I always hear that because we that that's the that's the uh, the refrain that seems we seem to hear every week. Uh, but you know whether they're correctable or not, that could well be. But again, I think they're not only being out executed, which is another way of saying I believe that uh, you know part of that is they were out schemed, and that goes back to the out-coached. confusion, that we, yeah. whichever you want to call it. Exactly right. But I, they, I would, they're not prepared for what they're seeing. I would I would disagree with Ramon on they did get beat last night. They got physically handled. There's no and, question about it. That's that's hard to work around. Um, I'd love to know what they think of the running game. Maybe uh, we'll find out a little more this week. But uh, I'm not seeing huge holes that Connor's missing. Uh, I didn't. Th- he's been indecisive at times. I didn't see that last night. Um, but, Coach, again, but again, that's not going to. They're not going to come out and have him rush for 124 yards and beat the Falcons. Coach Tomlin uh, touched on that after the game. We weren't able to find uh, enough traction tonight. Um, we didn't run it a lot, and I'd imagine the more we run it, the more traction we'll find. Uh, but again, as the game unfolded, they were controlling it by possession and winning possession downs, and we weren't. So it tends to look like that um, when when the game is being controlled in that way. Never a good sign when you're not able to build on the momentum of coming back, scoring 14 unanswered, and then getting the ball at halftime with a raucous crowd at home and just sputtering that. I mean, the first series of the third quarter, they ran Connor twice. Got four yards and three yards, so it's third and three. That was his longest run of the night. From the Pittsburgh 41, and that was after a good return by Switzer to start the half. So you're, you're in a very manageable down. You're in a good spot on the field. You've got momentum supposedly coming out of the break after you just tied the game up, and they come up with Roethlisberger short pass left to R. Switzer minus five. Yeah, bad play there. You know, and and it's they certainly don't lack in those situations what they've been through for for confidence in that they've done this where they get behind. Go back to the Jacksonville game, fourteen nothing in the first quarter. They come back and then of course they they never stop them, but they keep answering. Kansas City, same deal, down twenty one nothing. They come back and they make it twenty one twenty one. Then when they score twenty eight twenty one right at the start of the half, they come back again, make it twenty eight twenty eight. And and then so when it's fourteen nothing and you come back and make it fourteen fourteen, you think okay, no problem. We'll, you know, we'll continue to, to uh, put points up, and it just and it never happened. You know, forty nine nothing in the first quarter in the last three home games. Yeah, not a good that. way to start. Cam Hayward talked about that, putting the team in a crappy position. First of all, we put ourselves in a crappy uh, position, but we battled. Uh, we got the turnover, um, and then uh, we were able to tie it up a half. But uh, you know, the score at half was zero zero to me, and then you know. We didn't get off the field, and then our offense didn't score. But and, uh, when we do that, um, we keep giving them shots, uh, and we don't get off the field, it's, it's not a good recipe for success. The Bengals and the Ravens are tied atop the AFC North, 3-1, and one, and the Browns and Steelers tied at the bottom, 1-2-1. One, one. 
Yeesh. Doesn't look good, does it? No, it does not, Chair. What do you got going on tonight? Uh, Tim and I are down at uh, Pittsburgh Bottle Shop. Okay. Seven to nine, and then tomorrow night, Stefan Tewitt here in the in the studio. I'll be curious to see what uh, to hear what he has to say. I didn't get a chance to talk to him after the game on those night games. I don't have a whole lot of time, but uh, you know, I think I, I think Randall. It's you know, it's a, that second half. You know, it was the defense not getting off the field. The Ravens had the ball almost twenty two minutes, converted six and nine third downs. But the offense didn't help either because they converted only one of three third downs. And, and you know, they ran 23 plays. That's the fewest plays they've run in a half all year. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you know, it was, it was you know, both sides were contributing to that. They couldn't stop them and they couldn't do anything to continue to continue some series, at least to keep maybe the defense off the field. And, again, they had no – they had they real, I don't want to say they had no answer. It's almost like they had no idea what the Ravens were doing to them. Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette and the Pittsburgh Steeler Radio Network alongside Mike Pursuta and Bob Labriola – You'll hear him again this Sunday as the Steelers take on the Falcons, a 1 o'clock game at home, and all of the action broadcast right here on the radio home of the Steelers, 102.5 DVE. Next hour, Stan Saverin. Also, a special call-in from Alan Fanica, who was enshrined in the Hall of Honor last night. So we'll talk to uh, Big Red, classic, legendary Pittsburgh Steelers, Super Bowl champion, all-around good guy, longtime friend of the show. That's the worst part about last night is they let down the Hall of Honor. Yeah, bummed about that as well. We'll hear what Al has to say about that coming up. TV. Experience art from around the world at Carnegie International opening on October 13th. There's an accident in Bloomfield, Liberty Avenue at 32nd Street. Pull down there as a result of that accident. And the Mon Wharf closed for flood cleanup. I'm Val Porter, DVE Total Traffic. A new survey found the 10 most common things we do to make ourselves feel healthy when we're abusing our body for a while. Eat some extra fruit and vegetables. Uh, Try to eat less sugar. Sugar's a bad one. Buy more fruits and vegetables, even though you may not necessarily eat them. I always end up throwing up out a little bit at the end of the week. Yeah. Because you can't eat that much fruit. Take the stairs. I always go, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start eating kiwi. And then a week later, I'm like, I'm never eating kiwi. I'm eating that hairy thing. <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Stan Savern joining us right now for a Steelers Power Talk. And uh, we've got Alan Fanica joining us as well, a recent inductee last night into the Steelers Hall of Honor, which is chosen by a committee, which includes none other than our next guest, Stan Saverin. And, uh, a nice class to go in in year two there, Stan, last evening with uh, Rocky Blyer, Buddy Dial, Bill Nunn, Art Rooney Jr., and Alan Fanica. Yeah, they had the uh, ceremony or induction ceremony, if you will, last night. But Friday night they had a gathering mm-hmm. um, and a program presentation last about an hour and um, everybody got a chance. The inductees got a chance to stand up. And they showed highlights of them, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's a really good class and uh, represents a spectrum. You know, Buddy Dial. I, unfortunately, I'm old enough <laughs> to have seen Buddy Dial play, and he was a terrific receiver. Um, he aver one year he averaged over 20 yards a catch. This is in the 60s when they you know wow. didn't throw the ball that mm-hmm. much. Think about that. You know, nobody does that even today. Um, and, of course, the legendary 1974 draft class, Bill Nunn, was not only a football pioneer but a social pioneer going out and scouting predominantly black colleges. Back in those days, um, black athletes uh, played at those schools because southern schools wouldn't take them. 
uh, SEC, ACC, you know, they didn't recruit, you know, black athletes. Uh, and so they either came up north and played at some of the schools up here, or they went to, you know, back in the days when Grambling and Morgan State were powerhouses, that's where they went uh, if they didn't want to come north. Uh, and, and he was the first to mine, and, you know, everybody knows, you know, John Stallworth and Donnie Shell and Elsie Greenwood, uh, Dwight White, guys that he found from small, predominantly black colleges, mm-hmm. um, and and Rocky, you know, an he, American hero. You could make the case that Rocky may have been the most popular Steeler ever, but for reasons beyond football, right? Uh, because of of his war experience, because of his injury, because he was drafted in the sixteenth round, and you know all that kind of thing. Underdog, uh, underdog, right? And he just represented. You know, he was Pittsburgh through and through, and now all he means the community. And uh, Alan Fanica, um, I mean, I gave a. Not a speech, but I mean, I lobbied hard for him, uh, basically saying he should have been in Canton a long time ago. He was the best offensive guard of his generation for a decade. Mm-hmm. There was no who's the best guard in football? Alan Fanica. Yeah, um, and you know they, they haven't put him in. And we were the way it works is if you make Canton, you automatically go into the Hall of Honor. Naturally, the highest honor you can get is being in Canton. So it's, you're automatically in, and Alan got passed over again. I remember saying at the, one of our meetings, I said, hey, if they're not going to do the right thing, why should we wait until they do? He belongs in the Hall He belongs in the hall of Fame, but he belongs in the Hall of Honor. So, yeah, it was a good class. Well, uh, a good thought by you uh, and smart thing. Nobody uh, more important to the organization in that Super Bowl run at the time than Alan Fanica, who, of course, famously sprung Willie Parker for his 75-yard touchdown run in the Super Bowl against uh, the Seahawks. No uh, no real danger of us thinking too hard about the Super Bowl this year right now, Stan. We, <laughs> not house, for the bad news. The house is on fire. We, you know, we're going to have to figure out how to put this out first. I'm not sure which... What do you address first? <sighs> if you're Mike Tomlin, what do you say, all right, this is priority. I know you can be multitasking this, but, boy, they're going to... They're going to have a lot of irons in the fire. I mean, it's hard. It's, you know, his term, popcorn. It's like whack-a-mole. Um, you know, mm-hmm. not one game this year has everything worked. Uh, last night, virtually virtually nothing worked. Uh, it's easy to blame the defense. You look at the numbers. Uh, someone once said there are lies, damn lies, and statistics, and mm-hmm. basically that's true. But last night they tell the story. Time of possession, which sometimes can mislead you, but Baltimore – 35 to 25. More importantly, in the second half, Baltimore 22, the Steelers 8 minutes of possession. Fertile. Do you realize the Steelers never once crossed midfield in the second half? No. Um, it's, it's amazing. Third down conversions. Pittsburgh 2 for 12, Baltimore 8 for 17. Those are losing numbers. Um, what's the issue there? Um, Eric Weddle, the safety... Uh, who was a free agent, who I would like to see in the Steelers sign instead of Mike Mitchell, um, uh, said after the game, he said, our defensive coordinator, guy's name is Don Martindale, they call him Wink, he's probably a better game show host too. Uh, <laughs> Weddle said, he said, our defensive coordinator had the Steelers, there was one step ahead of them all night, we knew where they were going, what they were going to do, so on and so forth. I don't know how true that is, but he wanted to give a shout out to his defensive coordinator. Uh, there are so many things. Um, 
19 well, yards rushing from James Conner, and that's not on James Conner. Uh, but this offensive line, much ballyhooed, uh, three Pro Bowl guys. I realize when you get behind, it's going to limit your running game, but still. Um, and, and one of our postgame callers tweeted uh, last night, or one of our postgame tweeters, I suppose, tweeted, said, sure, Le'Veon Bell's missing the running game, which is not a shot at Connor, but he has an effect on the passing game, too. No question. The passing game hadn't been an issue until until last night. Um, the bad starts. 14 nothing again last night. How, how do you explain that? Uh, I don't. Here, here we are. You're coming off a win in Tampa Bay, who's wildly overrated, as we see. Yes. But anyway, you're down there. You come off with a win, a little shaky in the second half. Well, very shaky in the second half. Okay, so you get a win. You get that first win. You got equilibrium. You know, you're even on the season. And then you come out against your arch rival, team that's ahead of you in the standings, on Sunday night football, which is now the biggest game of the week. It's not Monday yes. night football anymore. And you get behind 14 to nothing before people have had their third beer. Uh, the, the, I, I point to... I, think <laughs> I like have, how you said third beer. Yeah, well, like they're, they're, They only had three. <laughs> well, they're they're going to have at least 15. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I'm talking about once they get in the stadium. I'm not oh, counting no. tailgating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so six minutes in and you're down 14 to nothing. And, you know, the same thing with, with Kansas City. Uh, you come out, you, you've played a game that you gave away to Cleveland... And you, you first home game, and you're down twenty-one to nothing. Um, uh, I, you have to blame coaching for not having him ready. But I've always believed that emotionally, it's up to the players to get yourself up for the game. Yeah. Chuck Noll yeah. once said, and I hate to keep going back. He said, um, "If you're not self-motivated, I don't want you here. I can't motivate you." And again, I point to a lack of leadership in that locker room. How do you come out like that last night, given all the circumstances and parameters that I, I, I just named? See, this to me, the Steelers have so many problems, and it's not fair to put this all on him, but to me, the Steelers' season, it, Big Ben has, has to have a MVP caliber season. He's got to be all pro. His margin of error is almost nothing with no run game and the defensive problems they have. Yeah, it's the, not fair, but no. if he doesn't play at that level, they're going to lose a lot of games. Uh, for them to win, that really has to happen. But then again, we kind of knew that going in, although I think we expected more of a balanced offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew that the offense was going to have to carry the defense. Uh, when you look at the defensive numbers, here where statistics do lie, um, they, I, they kept them in the game. Um, they had the one touchdown right early. First drive, and then the fumble by McDonald, and they have the ball at the 31, so that helps set up the touchdown, although there's not, there's no rule against holding a team to a field goal or taking it away. They haven't put that rule in yet, so <laughs> they only get a semi-pass on that. But really, after that, so that's six minutes into the third, uh, first quarter. They don't allow another point until four minutes ago in the third quarter. They kept the team in the game. It's 14-14. They kept the game, team in the game. Third quarter, I believe Baltimore had two or three three-and-outs before they finally got the field goal that made it 17-14. So, um, you know, the... the they're looking for the offense to pick them up, and who knows? If the Steelers manage to get ahead, that changes what Baltimore wants to do offensively. The negative side is you got to get off the field. Um, mm. 
you know, 82 yards and, uh, you know, six and a half minutes, and they're getting pushed around. And someone made a really good point. It seemed like every Baltimore ball carrier always fell forward for two, three yards. Mm-hmm. They're getting pushed around. They're getting punished. And, again, another stat. Pardon me for statting you to death. Baltimore had 30 rushes last night. The Steelers had one tackle for loss. One. That tells you you're getting pushed off the line of scrimmage. You're not creating negative plays. You're not getting them behind the chains. You're not creating second and 13. You're getting pushed around. And as far as getting ready, I still believe that it's up to the players to get ready. And I have said I don't think that there is strong enough leadership in there. It doesn't show up on the stat sheet or in the final score. But then again, it does. Stan Saverin, uh, joining us uh, right now on the program is recent Hall of Honor inductee for the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the all-time greats. It's our friend Alan Fanica. Good morning, Alan. How you doing, man? A round of applause for Alan Fanica. What's up? Thanks, guys. How are you, Al? I'm doing good, man. How's it going? All right. That must have felt good last night to have the first half. You know, they come back, and then you have a little, like, halftime acknowledgement and feeling like, all right, things are back on track because you don't want to be, like, getting tanked before you you get honored. You know, the fans are in a bad mood, so everyone's feeling it. And then the, the yeah. Steelers went out there and just laid an egg in the second half. Yeah, 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 yeah. It didn't turn out how we wanted the second half, did it there? Do you remember being on a team where the start was so slow and it seemed like there were so many uh, uh, areas that needed to be addressed that it was uh, nearly insurmountable and then somehow pulling it off? (laughs) Uh, Well, there's one that comes to mind, but um, (laughs) uh, yeah, you know, it does. It's weird, man. It's, uh, you, you can't put your finger on it, but it does. You know, it happens to, you know, every organization's got, you know, years that kind of begin like that at one point or another. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you got to find answers. You got to find them quick. You know, I'm curious to what you think about the evolution of the game. Now, you were a guy, when you retired, you uh, you lost the weight that so many people keep on after their playing days. And you made a point to, to quickly shed that. You're a lean fella these days. Um, and there's a lot of health-related issues that come along with playing the, the sport of football. They have made adjustments to try and make the sport safer for players. And in doing so, have seemingly detracted from the entertainment value of it considerably. What do you make of all the roughing the passer penalties, the way guys can just run free over the middle now? Is it better? Or do you wish it was more like that back then? Or do you wish that uh, they hadn't touched it? You know, I think... It, I think... I feel I feel both ways. I, I feel like I wish they wouldn't have touched it. At the same time, I think it's needed. So, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I just think it's a uh, you know it's growing pains, man. It's, I, I feel like the NFL has decided that to get it in the middle, we've got to go so far to the other side to get it to the middle. And you know, uh, little rinky dink, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, fine checks in the mail. They don't they don't feel like that's going to get it done. You know, so they they went all the way in and and made it a big deal and you know it's it's not great for tv or fans or watching and uh but it's it's i feel like that's just what they they felt like they needed to go all the way to the other end just to get it somewhere in the middle alan when you watched the running game last night uh, pretty small sample size 11 attempts but is connor missing holes or or are holes not there you know, last night it looked like just, you know, for me sitting up in the stands, it looked like some of the holes weren't quite there. Uh, you know, he hit a couple of them nicely uh, where they they got a, a chunk or two. But, you know, I think anything involved with the running game, like you said, the, the sample size being so small, 
sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes you need a big sample size to find what's going to work for you. And if you don't have the opportunity to uh, to stick to it and, and keep it going, then you might never find that one play that's somewhere buried on the uh, the, the play sheet uh, to, to get to it. Hey, Alan, it's Stan Saverin. Um, Alan gave a little talk at the ceremony Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, those were more words than he spoke in the 10 years he was here <laughs> uh, as a player, I think. Uh, um as an offensive lineman, of course, when you played here, it was run-oriented with the running backs they had and the kind of offense that they played, a power offense. From an offensive lineman's perspective, when you are throwing 40 times a game, which means you're back on your heels on the snap and pass protection, does that affect your run blocking? Because run blocking, you've got to fire out into the guy, whereas if you're pass blocking, your first step is backward. Um. You know, a, a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, it, it's not as big of a deal as, as it seems, but it, it does a little bit, you know what I mean? And, and it probably affects different guys different ways. But, um, you know, you just uh, you have to be aggressive in your, in your pass protection and, and uh, uh, get violent in there and, 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 and bounce around and, and get your hits in and, and, and kind of stay in that, that physical mentality, that, that rhythm. So what's the what's the offensive fix right now? Do you have to get back to running the ball first, or are we in an age where the pass has to open up the run and they have to be more efficient throwing? Man, I think that's the age we're in right now. But um, you know, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think they're still going through some troubles with uh, you know they, they've had Levy on there for for years now, and, and that's a, that's a big cog in the offense that, that changes things a little bit, and, and everybody's got to react a little bit differently and. Uh, you know, it's it's not the same. People don't you know respect the offense as a whole the same because they don't have uh, Le'Veon you know dancing around out there that they've got to worry about. What did you make of it when the the linemen were critical of Le'Veon not showing up in the first week? They they were kind of roundly castigated by the NFL alumni for talking about another guy's money. Yeah, yeah, and I, I get that, I get that. But you know, I I, I looked at it when those guys were were, were speaking out. You know. It, me as a former player, I, I, I know those feelings. Those, those were feelings of, hey, we're rallying the troops, man. We're going to win a Super Bowl here. Let, let, let's get down, put, put your hand in the dirt and play some football. And uh, I, I th- really think that that's where that was coming from and uh, uh, the, the kind of the angst and anger about the whole situation. And, mm-hmm. you know, I guess everybody just kind of anticipated him to come in like he had in the past. And, I, you know, to me, I don't think Le'Veon has quite ever said what his intentions were to do. So, um, you know, maybe if that would have been known and that, you know, hey, I'm not showing up to week ten. Maybe some of that might not not have gotten uh, aired out. Does My the, guess is that that he did tell some. Uh, he told the organization, but he also, I'm, I'm guessing, based on what Marquise Pouncey said on the Monday before the Cleveland game, that he told him because remember Pouncey was emphatic. He'll be here. He, mm-hmm. I think he told some people. And Alan, I guess what you just said, I, I think the best word may be they felt betrayed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, but you know, I mean, I think uh, it it goes back to that, man. I mean, when when you're putting it all in and, and you've got a team that's been close a little bit, like uh, this, we've been uh, in the past couple of years here, uh, you're just trying to put it all together, man. You're trying to you're trying to go for the for the for the ring, and uh, uh, I just think where that's where a lot of that came from. On top of uh, you know maybe being misled. Did Earl's Thomas injury yesterday lend any strength to Le'Veon's tactics? You know, I don't know, man. It's it's a uh, it's it's the catch twenty two, man. There's a uh, I, I get what he's doing. I, I understand right. what Le'Veon's doing. I mean, it's it's not great for the team. It's not great for him either. You know, I mean, he's he's leaving all that money on the table, but he's 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 losing the big payday today for the four times big payday next year. So right uh, with you know no broken leg or whatever may happen. So mm-hmm. 
I, I get it. It just sucks. In this weekend where you're sort of celebrating your career with the Steelers and being entri- enshrined in the Hall of Honor with greats like Rocky Blyer and Bill Nunn, how do you uh, how do you sort of appreciate your place in Steelers history? Do you consider it a- a- as substantial as we, the fan base, do? I, I don't know, man. You know, it's uh, uh, it, it was a little. It, it hit me a little harder than I than I thought it would last night uh, out on the field at halftime. But um, uh, it's uh, it's a special honor, man. It's it's crazy, man. Like uh, you know, I, I go through this Hall of Fame uh, uh, thing, and you know, it's it's truly an honor to be mentioned and, and talked about all these guys and, and be in the same conversation. And then you know, here we are with this great organization, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and. I'm not in the conversation anymore. I'm, I'm right there next to those guys. So it, it still surreal to me. And uh, uh, it, it's just amazing. It was, it was, it's been a great weekend. You know, teams change a lot. Front offices, personalities through the years. The Steelers have always prided themselves on maintaining a stability in that area. Does it feel to you a lot like it used to? It does. It really does, man. It does. The, the team, the organization, it uh it's got that same uh, that same family feel to it that it always has. Are you able to like watch clips of when you were playing? Like, do you watch the Willie Parker seventy five yard touchdown <laughs> in the Super Bowl now, and and and, and watch the block you laid that, spr- that sprung him for that run, and think like, yeah, I was a part of history. Now that you're like a f- little further removed from it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, I saw it enough this weekend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we had it on the airport when people landed. There was just a, it was just a big video display of that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I've, I hadn't seen it in a while, man, but, uh, you know, when you, when you see it again, you do, you do get to appreciate it all over again and, and, uh, uh, kind of take in the, the magnitude of it and, you know, you get to share it with uh, my kids who weren't quite old enough or right. even born yet at the time. So it's all it's all fun all over again. I know this much. Every time Jerome Bettis sells a hamburger at his joint over there on the North Shore, ten percent ought to go to Alan Fanica. Exactly. <laughs> if you if you look at highlights of Jerome as great as he was, uh, big old sixty six is out there in front of him. Well, Stan, you just got hired as my agent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Alan, all the best to you and Julie and the kids and everybody, and uh, continued success for you. And uh, when, what, uh, when's the next marathon you're running? Uh, I don't know about marathons, man. I got my one in. That might be my last. All marathon, right, good. But I, I still do plenty of running and other stuff, though. So. Right on. Well, stay healthy and uh, continued success to you. Yeah, and congratulations. Hope that we Congrats. see you uh, a little more often up here in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, all the best to you, man. Congratulations, Alan. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Okay, we'll see you. Alan Fanica, he went into the hall uh, last night, the Hall of Honor, in no small part due to Stan Saverin saying, this guy's got to go in now. Well, you know, we I was asked about this in an interview. Uh, Gene Collier wrote a terrific piece uh, in yesterday's Post-Gazette, and I was in quota, but he called me for some background. And uh, we initially, we got a list, I think it was like 85, 90 guys. Mm-hmm. There are no wrong answers right. here. I mean, every guy, uh, you know, belongs. And, you know, how do you choose? And, mm-hmm. you know, we tried to get people from the 50s and 60s, uh, you know, one guy. Um, only because, listen, you know, they were great football players, just didn't play on good teams. Uh, and, frankly, there are certain, you know, they're so centric on the 70s. 
with all those great players that are already in, in Canton. Uh, and it's, I think it's analogous to there are a lot of people who think that the sport of hockey wasn't invented until 1984 when Mario came here. <laughs> right. Never, nobody ever played it before. And I, I so we wanted to honor those guys. And um, Bill Nunn was almost made it last year, but we thought it would be kind of cool if Art Rooney Jr. and Bill went in together. They were really close, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the, the scouting and all that. And uh, as I mentioned, Rocky, uh, you could make the argument that he. Could be the most popular Steeler ever, just because of all yeah. that was involved in his life and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, it's as I said, I'm old enough to have actually seen Buddy Dial play. He was really good. So, yeah, it was it was a great class. It was a great event Friday night and last night too. All right, more to come here. Quick break. We'll come back more with Stan Saverin in this Power Hour of Steeler talking. Mike Pursuit rejoining us here on DVE DVE Sports. All right, Mike Pursuti here. More from last night's loss to the Ravens, Sunday night football. Chris Collinsworth and uh, Al Michaels on the call there for the game. They never shut up. Uh, it's not looking great right now for the Steelers. They're, what, what's the Chuck Noll line? That they, have they have many problems, problems and they, they are, are great. great. Yeah. <laughs> 26-14 Ravens over the Steelers last night at Heinz Field. That is 1-2-1 one, and one on the season. 0-2 at Heinz Field and 0-1-1 and in the division for those of you scoring at home. Sports this hour brought to you by CBS Television. The good news is the Steelers figured out what went wrong. Here's Joe Hayden. They were just doing they were doing a really good job um, running, passing, uh, converting, um, winning on first down, you know, starting with second and shorts. So you had a whole thing open to you. Um, Lamar did a good job when he came into just – basically running lead plays, you know. So, I mean, they did a good job staying ahead of the sticks, and uh, that's something that we got to get them behind the sticks where we know they have to have third and longs, where it's a lot easier for us to uh, stop them. Yeah. All you got to do is stop them from running, Mm -hmm. passing, and converting. Doesn't sound like a big deal. Other than that, they were great last night. Eight for 17 uh, on third downs for the Ravens. That's 47%. They were one and one, one for one, excuse me, on fourth down. That's... 100%. 100%. The Steelers were 2 of 12 on third down and 0 and 1 on fourth down. That is not good. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger has likewise identified the problems there. I didn't play well enough today to win the football game and that I let the guys down. Is there anything that was consistent in the second half of the Tampa game in this one? You know, like I said, Mike, it's just a matter of uh, me playing better. Didn't score any points in Tampa, but they made the plays they needed to make at the end of that game to protect their lead. No worry about protecting a lead last night. Mm-hmm. That uh, that never materialized. Uh, the defense uh, had a complicated night. You heard Joe Hayden mention Lamar Jackson, the rookie quarterback from Louisville that the Ravens are using as a gadget guy. And uh, they've been doing that all along, and the Steelers looked surprised by it initially and surprisingly ineffective against it thereafter. Did it annoy you as much as it did me that the first time Lamar Jackson comes into the game, they had to call a timeout. Yes. It was like the cavemen first came out and saw the sun for the first time and said, <laughs> what in the hell are you doing all week? Everybody knows what Lamar Jackson does. They know how they utilize him. They come out, and, oh, my God, who's this number eight guy? We don't know anything about that. Timeout. And it was like, it I was think basically I mentioned a, him 17 or 18 times last week. Uh, yeah. 
It was a touchdown if they didn't call a timeout. Talk about preparation. I mean, what, you know, what are you doing? You, you don't recognize Lamar Jackson. The other thing, Mike, you know, you mentioned the fourth down conversion. I was really shocked that Harbaugh went for it at the field position, uh, you know, playing it close to the vest. And I know that's a long time ago. You think he would have tried that against the 2008 defense? Oh, to me, no that's way. a direct slap in the face of saying, ah, eh, fourth and two, we don't care. Oh, and he ran a 180-pound guy. Defense was also uh, kind of piecing it together as it went along. They did not have Morgan Burnett dressed because of a groin. They did not have Mike Hilton dressed because of an elbow. That's uh, a starting safety and your nickel corner. Uh, They were still rotating Artie Burns and Cody Sensabaugh at the cornerback opposite Hayden. That changed in the second half. They lost Matt Burhe to a pec injury, so they had to use Sensabaugh as the nickel and then Cam Sutton became the dime, the uh, sixth defensive back or extra linebacker, whatever you want to call it. Uh, not an ideal circumstance. I mean, you know, um, it's, it's definitely next man up. We got Cody, we got Cam. Um, they didn't practice in some of the positions, but, you know, they're great football players and they can figure it out. So um, it was a little tough, but it's no excuse. And he's right, it's not. No. Because it's what you deal with. Right. And uh, – the old uh, cliche in uh, times such as these is that it's never as bad as you think it is when it's bad, and it's never as good as you think it is when it's good. That's probably a good thing because it looks pretty bad right now. Doesn't look good. NFL's usually a week-to-week league. Things often change a lot from one week to the next, but uh, they've got a defense that gave up 26 and uh, all kinds of minutes of possession last night, bracing for an Atlanta team that has thrown for three and a half miles in its last two games. <laughs> Uh, and you got an offense right now that can't get out of its own way. The uh, maybe lone bright spot is that perhaps Chris Boswell got it straightened out. Uh, Danny Smith, the special teams coordinator, had said on Thursday they thought they identified a, a technical slash mm-hmm. mechanical issue that they believe they had they believed they had addressed. Smith said you were going to see a better Chris Boswell in the Ravens game. He made two field goals and also his lone PAT. Yeah, we've been working uh, quite a bit these last couple of weeks, you know, trying to find, a, you know, not really an answer, but just trying to feel good about it. And, uh, you know, we think we came up with something and uh, we applied it to the week and had a really good week coming into the game. And today, had a, you know, we kicked a little more, but still had, did my job. They're going to need that guy if they can get the rest of it together. They, yeah, I guess he just added some weird hitch to his approach that they took out or something. I don't know. Um, Got to get past midfield before he can be a factor in the second half. Yeah, that's it's just stunning, really. I don't know what I'm more shocked at there. And by the way, Baltimore playing without his best cover corner. Who's back next week. Right. They, um, they, they were unable to do anything in the second half at all. And... The running game situation, non-existent. Some of that was situational. I don't know how much it was. Guys not getting open. Ben trying to... He wasn't really trying to force the ball. It just looked like he was coming out of his hand wrong at times. He had uh, two significant at 14-14. Um, two third downs and had A-B wide open. Once on the sideline, a quick out, it was a third yep. and four. Uh, another time, it was third and 12 but he had him wide open over the middle, and he missed him. And I happened to look back at Ben. He was just, you know, pounding his fist into the dirt. I mean, he knew that he didn't make a good throw. Mm-hmm. 
going to have a, you know an off night. But uh, Bill's right. Um, that's an awful lot of pressure on him. He you know has carried the load, but not quite this heavy. Um, I mean, every mm-hmm. team needs their quarterback to play well, but this team now more than ever because the other things that they are they're not supporting him although like i said the defense i mean they kept him in the game they gave him a chance they did the thing that worries me about that is the wide open pass to crabtree that flacco overthrew yep. which was a long touchdown hayden they, bit they on just, that double they move. just missed it and then the fumble at the one yard line you can't necessarily expect every opponent to do that for you otherwise yep. you're talking in oh. the 40s again if, if they if they go in, you know, I thought at the time when when Davis uh, stripped uh, the running back and they got it at the one yard line, uh, I thought if they go on to win this game, that play could turn around the entire season. Then on, on, on the, at first that sequence, uh, Ben hit Jesse James for twenty three to get out from the way in the goal line, and they they did end up um, eating up six minutes and ended up with a field goal on that drive. And I thought, you know, Sean Davis is cause fumble might save the season if they won the game, but they didn't. It's I, I thought if they could have gone the other way for seven, it would have been a huge deal. To a 99-yard drive, stick it in the end zone, that, that would have been a big deal. Getting the field goal was definitely good. but You know, the other thing is that what they may have to do, and you don't want to curtail your offense, uh, and you have to score when you can possibly score, but there's going to have to be some protection of this defense. I mean, maybe the defense gets slightly better, but we all knew um, if not a liability, it wasn't going to be a strength. And I thought maybe the best way um, is go, if you can, these long drives, methodical drives. It's not the way that they're built, but it also keeps the other team's offense on the sideline. Quick break. We'll come back with the plays of the game. More with Stan Saverin on the Power Hour of Steelers Talk here on your home of the black and gold, 102.5 DVE. It's your home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DBE. Randy Bauman, Stan Saverin is here for the Power Hour of Steeler Broadcasting. And now, through the five highlight plays for the Steelers of last night's game. I do the You found five? I do the top five, and when they lose, I try Are to... Steelers I try to still keep it Steelers. <laughs> so we, you know, stay positive. Hey! The boss is back. This is going to be a 39-yard field goal from inside the right hash for Boswell. The kick is on its way. That kick is up and good. Two for two. And the Steelers cut the lead now to eight. Back to being money. Yep, two for two for the boss last night. That's good. Hopefully uh, the yips have uh, subsided and we get the uh, guy we just paid a boatload of money to from here on out. Let me put Danny Smith on the offense and defense. He seems to be a problem solver. John, maybe. James Conner didn't have the best stats last night, but he did have a big play tying the ballgame with this two-point conversion. Ben with a shotgun snap. Throws it. And that's James Conner into the end zone for the two-pointer. And guess what? We have a brand new ball game. All tied up. Yep. That was big. Well, pre- Stop there, would you? Preceding that, Antonio <laughs> Brown with a fantastic 26-yard touchdown catch. Got to see more of this from these two going forward. 7-84 to 84 for 6. Rolls a little bit. Plants, waits, fires for the goal line. Touchdown! Antonio Brown! A beautiful catch. And I tell you what, when Ben released it, you said, Antonio looks well guarded. Well, guess what? He wasn't guarded well enough. Well, you 
got to make sure you don't leave an inch when it comes to Antonio Brown. And he was able to make a spectacular catch. Back shoulder kind of turns himself around, going to the ground, combat catch. That's Just what it takes. every part of it was tough, and he made it happen. That's what it takes. Uh, speaking of tough, Vance McDonald, who, uh, who screwed up early by uh, allowing the Ravens to take it away from him, Resulting in a 14 nothing leap. Or wait, did they score on that or did they? They got the ball on that. Got the ball. They, 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 they ruled that the guy was down. I know, but did down. they score on that drive? Yes. Okay, so that, yeah. it did go Took 14. them four plays to go 31 yards. Okay. Hot knife through butter. But later, he came up with a big 33-yard catch, and it wasn't quite the Chris Connie stiff arm, but it was pretty damn good. Man under duress. Throws a pass. Leaping grab by Vance McDonald. He breaks the tackle. Still on his feet inside the 40. And they don't get him until he gets down to the 32-yard line. He was tough to haul down indeed. Vance is not as much fun to yell as Heath. <laughs> but come on. I saw Pompiani tweeted, Vanimal. Eh, I don't know if that's going to catch. Vanimal. I don't know if that'll catch on. Quickly becoming a fan favorite, though. we got to figure out some kind of name for him. The Bulldozer. Vance. Big Mac. How about Big Mac? I like it. I McDonald. like that. Yeah, you want to go with Vance, right, Val? But Max, right there, waiting yeah, for you. Yeah, I'm thinking McDonald lands something, but I can't come up with anything. No. Oh. Yeah, I, I, we already have Switzerland, so we can't go McDonald land. Uh, number one last night, in terms of big plays, Terrell Edmonds getting the fumble after the Sean Davis strip kept the Steelers in it early. It would have been a blowout, and I didn't see him coming back. This at least enabled them to keep uh, their heads above water and they moved forward and ended up tying the game after this, uh, although we know how it ended. This was still what I thought the biggest play for the Steelers last Upset night. Eye to the left, everything in tight for Joe Flacco. He turns and gives it to Collins, runs wide, and he's hit wide and down he goes. Great play. The ball came out. Who has a pitch? Steelers got it. What a hit on that play. Yeah, and they, uh, they got the ball, drove down and settled for a Boswell field goal, but Stan... I can't help but thinking that this comes down to Mike Tomlin is going to have to bear the brunt of the criticism for this. They were out-schemed. Players weren't ready for what they were facing with the Ravens last night. Undisciplined. Undisciplined. <laughs> Again, uh, you know, not as many penalties this week, but still five for how many? Forty? Forty. So not great in that regard, uh, what what does he do? His coordinators both seem to be just scrambling. You know, somebody asked me yesterday morning what I thought about the game, and I, I think I told you when we were here last Monday, I thought the Steelers would win in Tampa. I felt very strongly about it. I had a strong feeling about it. Uh, they hung on for dear life, but they did win. So this guy asked me yesterday morning, uh, what do you think about tonight's game? And I said, I don't know. I don't have a feel for it yeah. based on I don't have a I, I I don't know what this team is about. I, I don't right. I, I don't get a feel for them. I don't uh th- their identity. Um we thought we knew what they were going to be. Um I don't know. I, I have no idea, you know, what they are, what they mm-hmm. want to be. Uh I don't have any idea who they are. I think they're a little bit lost at this point. Uh, they're having a quarter life crisis. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know who they are, what they're supposed to be. Uh, they're searching for an identity. Uh, I think ultimately the buck stops there. 
Uh, and especially when you consider the expectations. This, by all accounts, uh, from Vegas all over the country, they were the second favorite to right. win the AFC. Um, and that's what makes it so disappointing. Two games at home uh, that they've already lost. Now you've got an Atlanta team coming here. The one good thing about the Atlanta game is, if you watch that game, which I did, you think the Steelers' secondary is bad? Check out the Falcons. Um, they're awful, but at least they have an excuse. Two of their starting safe, both starting safeties are out. But again, in general, um, people want to criticize head coach. You always do, uh, but I do think when you just look at not only the individual units, but just the tenor of the entire team, yeah, they appear to be lost. All right, well, Stan, what are you going to do on your show today? Uh, more of the same. More um, of the same. Um, we'll have uh, Tunch will be uh, will be joining me and uh, you know talking about some of those uh, some of those elements. And again, I hate to rely on stats, but I think that they were very revealing from last night's game. Stan Savern with your Power Hour here this morning. Thanks to Alan Fanica for joining us. He's always great. And congrats to Big Al on the uh, honor being inducted into the Steelers Hall of Honor. One more to go. Also, yeah. uh, Canton. Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette. And thanks to Tim Benz. Tomorrow we'll do Zebra Talk with Gene Steratore. Also, Charlie Batch will be live in studio. Shell's coming up next with the Electric Lunch at Noon. Steelers are in a predicament, in a bit of a pickle right now. Heinz Field, and it's more like the pickle jar. Pickles the Pittsburgh. And I have to make if they just didn't tie in week one and they were two and two optically, it would at least be better. But having that one, if I didn't lose last night, they'd be two one and one. In optically, the... it would be better. <laughs> yeah. If my aunt <laughs> was my uncle. Hey, uncle, how you been? <laughs> All right, we'll let you guys finish that mad lib at home. Michelle's coming up next. Electric lunch at noon. Ugh. Another week of wondering what's going to come next.